So tonight, Demon Slayer podcast. I think this is probably the largest Christian video podcast that's ever been done. I don't know. I've never seen eight people all on the podcast at once. We're very excited. What we thought we'd be, do to start it out is we'll start with Apostle Alexander Pagani. He will tell you a little bit about himself, and then we'll go from him to me to Jenny to Julie to Mike to Vlad to Rickard to Daniel. We'll just go like kind of down the list here and tell you guys a little bit about us. We'll talk about what God is doing, this deliverance outpouring, and then we'll be doing Q&A. So we have a ton of questions that came in through Instagram, all related to deliverance, and we will be giving you our take on some of the hottest deliverance questions that maybe you haven't been able to find answers to. So Apostle Pagani, take it away, man. Blessings, everyone. This is Alexander Pagani, um, lead pastor of Amazing Church located here in New York City. Um, I entered into the deliverance ministry many years ago by preaching against it. I was a Pentecostal <laughs> pastor, and I don't know how that worked, but Pentecostal, and I was against the ministry of deliverance. And in my quest and campaign against the ministry of deliverance, I ended up embracing the ministry of deliverance. So here I am many years later one of the leading voices of deliverance, and I'm honored uh, to be part of this particular broadcast. So, amen. Looking forward to tonight. I love it. My name is Isaiah Saldivar, and I do live stream like all the time. I post like five videos a day. I was an atheist 12 years ago. I got radically saved. I pastored a church for almost 10 years, and now I'm involved in a local church out here that I preach at regularly, that I absolutely love what God is doing there. And I travel like once a month, sometimes more, sometimes less throughout the country, preaching revival, deliverance, holiness. And uh, man, I'm just excited to be a part of this, to be a part of around all these great men and women of God, to see deliverance become mainstream, to, re to get the body of Christ to understand that deliverance is the children's bread, that this is for the church, this is for the followers of Jesus, that we love deliverance, because we love Jesus and we love somebody, you love what they do. So that's who I am. Uh, yeah, my channel, all of that is there. All of our names are on screen. So, all right, Jenny, go for it. Hello, everybody. I'm Jenny Weaver, and I am first and foremost a servant of the Lord. I'm a worshiper. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. And God radically saved me from being homeless, being a witch, being on drugs, in and out of Come jails. On. You guys probably have heard my testimony, cutting my wrist, all kinds of stuff nine years of being out on the streets and just being buck wild and god radically saved me turned my life around and now my life's mission is to pull people out of that same darkness that god pulled me out of and just to serve my father i am the leader and founder of the core group come on core group in the house come on and uh, we are 6800 plus women strong what? In my mentorship, yeah, 6,800 women strong. We grow about 100 or so uh, ladies every single week. And my husband oh, just God. launched Core Men, and he already has 1,300 men that he has discipled there. It is powerful. We are in revival. It is a true movement of God. People are getting saved, sanctified, delivered. They're going out by the thousands into the streets and we're evangelizing and we're seeing the lost saved. So that's me and I'm happy to be on. I'm honored to be on with such incredible men and women of God, uh, heroes in the deliverance world, just incredible. So that's me. You got a lot of core group in the house. Awesome, I love it. All right, Julie Lopez, go for it. Hello everyone. First of all, thank you so much for having me here tonight is an honor, it's a pleasure. So my name is Julie Lopez. I've re recently moved 
from the UK to Colombia, South America. I came here with a mission of restoring the Isaacars generation in Latin America, which is um, train and raise up 7,000 apostles and prophets across this land. Um, so yeah, I was radically safe. Uh, also like Jenny from the occultism, uh, 13 years ago, uh, I gave my life to Christ and it's curious because for many years the Lord didn't allow me to step into a spiritual warfare or deliverance or casting out demons. But first he taught me uh, for many years intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Um, so yeah, this is me. Thank you guys. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, hey, everybody. My name is Mike Signorelli and I am first and foremost a father. The internet affectionately dubbed me Papa Sigs, despite how many times I said, don't call me that, it's weird. But they kept calling me Papa Sigs. There's, um, you know, anyways. And I just recently trained over 6,000 people globally in the fundamentals of deliverance, prophecy, and evangelism. And we got some breakers representing tonight. Uh, according to Enjoy, which is a John Maxwell company, my church, V1 Church, hit fastest growing church in America category the last four years. And we broke every record they've ever had. And we're doing that despite the fact that we're casting out demons Go ahead. and not following yeah. any of the rules of American evangelical church, which I'm proud of. Matter of fact, I've been casting out demons since the late nineties. And my number one prayer has always been fruit that remains. And mm -hmm. so uh, it's honored to be on this broadcast and um, to be among these legends. Tonight's going to be off the charts. If you guys haven't shared, subscribed, followed everybody in this chat, go ahead and do that now. And um, I, chains are going to break tonight. This is going to be amazing. Awesome. Go yeah. for it, Vlad. My name is Vlad. I am from Washington State, Tri-Cities, Washington. Um, I'm a pastor of Hungry Gen or Hungry Generation Church. And um, it's a young, vibrant church. We have embraced deliverance about, I would say, seven, eight years ago when it became part of culture building. Uh, before that, my uncle started the church and he is my pastor. Um, he pretty much called the calling of God in me when I was about 13. He put me as a youth pastor at 16. So I was 14 years as a youth pastor and then last six years as the lead pastor. And we also have deliverance as part of the culture, not just the deliverance event, but it's really became a culture at Hungry Generation. And so I'm really honored to be here and I am excited to have uh, a brotherhood and a sisterhood just with this ministry of deliverance. Because in the beginning when we started, uh, this was very lonely. Um, a lot of criticism that came in, a lot of misunderstanding, being called with names. And now I feel like, uh, we got a uh, we got a gang, and so it's really exciting. So I'm just I'm just really happy being this weekend at what happened at Daniel Adams has just strengthened even that bond, and so I'm glad to be here. Awesome, go ahead, Ricard. Yeah, hey everyone, my name is Ricard. Uh, I'm part of Pastor Vlad's team, uh, associate pastor over at Hungry Generation in Pasco, Washington. Uh, originally, I'm Swedish. Uh, if you're watching us from Europe right now just you know be patient deliverance is happening in Come us on. but we're coming to europe too guys this is not uh, something that belongs only to america this is coming Whoa. to europe too i've got europe in my heart of course uh, and africa too for that matter but they've had deliverance for a long time uh, i i learned basically everything i know about deliverance from prophet tb joshua which i lived as a disciple too 
for about 10 years. Um, and uh, yeah, just doing the work out there um casting out demons and preaching the good news of Jesus Christ to the four corners of the world. And I'm super excited and honored. I mean, I'm the least here and I'm really honored to be among such giants. Thank you so much, Isaiah and all of you for giving me the opportunity to be here today. We love you, man. And you're definitely not the least, especially when it comes to casting out devils. I learned from you. I'm like, I got to watch his videos and learn how to do this. Uh, Daniel Adams, go for it, man. Last but not least. And then we'll talk about the event you just had as well. So I'm going to take that title from Rickhart and I'm going to go down and say the least right here. No, oh, man, no way. <laughs> but anyway, yes. But anyway, um, yeah, my name is Daniel Adams. Sorry, guys, my voice is still not 100%. But um, I am the founder of The Supernatural Life, which is a movement across the world right now, actually. Thousands of forerunners globally. We have three churches under us. Um, evangelists, we, we, we're, we're actually we're a fivefold movement. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that mm -hmm. every believer... This is the culture of what we're building, that every believer is supposed to walk in the supernatural power of God. So we're trying to shift the culture in that way, that everybody that is a part of this ministry, one of the requirements is to walk in godly character and to walk in supernatural power. But God called me in 2011 through a dream. I actually had a visitation from Jesus Christ as he was returning. It looked like he was returning to earth in the dream. That's what launched me. And then uh, I was a cage fighter at the time, and I put that all away. And in 2013, I became a personal trainer. And demons started to get delivered from the clients I was training. And uh, yeah, that's how I got launched into deliverance ministry. I was under a deliverance pastor for a little while. And then all of a sudden the anointing got on me and it started to follow me into the gym until I got kicked out and pushed into full-time ministry in 2013. Also, I give a shout wow. out to people like TB Joshua too, because I, I learned and gleaned so much on the internet from him by faith. So it's really, it's an honor, honestly, to be amongst all of you guys and to be a part of this podcast and like uh, what I think it was what Vlad said, the brotherhood, the sisterhood of what's here. It, you can't make this stuff up, you know, so Come on. that's what it is. That's what it is. That's who I, I love it. This is so unique what we have that we found our tribe that we're pushing this ministry forward. There's 7,200 people on. We want to break 10,000 tonight, guys. That would be historic. So if you would continue to share and like the video, don't log off. <laughs> if you get off, you're not going to be able to help us reach 10,000. That's going to help us reach 10,000. So we all just got back from a deliverance conference that Daniel Adams was a forerunners conference, but it was really turned into a deliverance conference that Daniel Adams put on. I just wanted to touch on this and then Daniel, you can kind of tell us the heart of the event, how it started and we could all maybe give an experience or what we thought about the event. In my opinion, I think we'd all agree it was a historic event for deliverance ministry. We were talking about how in the last 10 or 15 years, we can't think of an event where 5,000 people came in person to come experience the powerful, tangible presence of God. And what I told Daniel yeah. was for so many years, deliverance has been this fringe movement that like the church and pastors have said, oh, you guys are like this small, weird group that we kind of put in a back room. But I believe that deliverance is coming out of the closet in mm. America. I believe that deliverance is the children's oh. bread, that the things yeah, that Jesus on. did are starting to happen again. And this is what it all boils down to. People deserve to be free. People yeah, deserve is like in Luke 13, where Jesus said, Didn't, doesn't she deserve to be loosed? Like the religious mm -hmm. people were mad about it, but the people mm -hmm. deserved it. So what I was thinking was at this conference with 5,000 people crying out to God, what happens, Daniel, when these 5,000 people go back to their church and won't settle for deliverance isn't for today? 
They won't settle for, oh, Jesus doesn't do deliverance anymore. They won't settle for pastors and leaders that tell them this was something that only happened in the book of Acts. But believers start saying, we want to see God move in power. We want to see the dead raised. We want to see the sick healed. We want to see demons cast out. And I think it's going to put pressure on leaders in the church to go back to scripture and say, wait a minute, this is in the gospels. This is in the Bible. How have we preached 52 times this year? Like as a pastor, you preach 52 times a year and you never preach on freedom and deliverance for your people. So this is really putting a pressure to where leaders, pastors, of the American church is not, not going to have a choice to embrace the ministry Jesus did because it's like, hey, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And I believe God, not us, but God's using us to bring this ministry back by force. By force, we're going to see deliverance. We're going to cry out for deliverance. So maybe, Daniel, touch on the event, what you thought. And it was historic. It was absolutely crazy. I really believe spiritually it marked the beginning of a new era and a start of something. And then whoever wants to jump in can jump in as well. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I didn't know it was going to end up like it was. I didn't plan that. You know, I remember I was talking to Isaiah and I was like, hey, let's do a conference. He's like, sure, because we've been doing revivals together all over the place. And all of a sudden, Isaiah threw some some nuggets out there to some other guys, and we ended up with everybody, literally everybody, and even Jenny. Jenny, we did something in Orlando, and she said, I'm on. I'm on board. So, you know, it wasn't expected, but what I do know, it far exceeded my expectations mm -hmm. to see the hunger of the people. I mean, there was a hunger in that room uh, to to experience the tangible presence of Jesus and to experience the power of God and to see so many people. Here's what was really cool. See, so many people embrace deliverance in unity. One heart, one mind, one spirit. You don't see that. You usually have your naysayers and stuff in the crowd. If there was a naysayer there, they walked out the room. There's no way they could get away. Anybody in that room was, was subject to being delivered. I, that's all I know. Come so it far, it far exceeded yeah. my expectations. Um, we even I don't know if people know this, though. We saw the deliverance, but Rickard can tell you, too. And you guys, we saw people getting out of wheelchairs. We yes. saw deaf. We saw deaf ears open. Pagani yeah. brought somebody he prayed for deaf ears open, blind eyes open. We didn't only see deliverance. We actually saw the mm -hmm. full gospel going on, especially in the special needs. So there is something special going on. And I believe what brought it really to where it is, is we we weren't in competition. We weren't saying one is greater than another. We weren't fighting to see who could get Come more on. stage time. I think I actually had the less stage time out of everybody. <laughs> I didn't even care. I just wanted to see Jesus Christ lifted up, the body of Christ equipped, and I wanted to see his spirit move. And that's exactly what happened. And uh, I think we're going to do it again next year in a greater way. So glory to Jesus. Come on. Awesome. Come on. Pagani, what did you think, man, of the year? Listen, Pagani, you've been preaching deliverance. Some of you have been preaching it for far longer and really going hard after it. Now that you see all of these people starting to embrace it, some people, I'm not going to mention names, are haters. They're like, oh, I was doing deliverance. I don't want, like as if deliverance is just for them. But for all of us, we're just like <laughs> the more pastors, the more preachers, the more people out there that are doing it, less work for us. I'm like, man, I, yeah. I would love to teach on something else. Like, Lord, let me teach on something else. But what was your thoughts, Pagani, seeing all these pastors and leaders? And we had a lot of even Mennonites there and then some Amish people there and some people from mm -hmm. other denominations that were there. And celebrities were, were there. Some celebrities were there. Yeah, they were getting freedom, which was amazing. Yeah, I mean, um, this was a bit historic for me personally uh, as uh, out on the field for maybe not for that long time, but there was quite a number of years where it just it seemed like it was just out 
just us doing deliverance, yeah. at least on social media, aside from like TV Joshua and maybe Bob Larson, it was just just us throwing off videos, taking all the bumps and bruises. I had actually considered moving on from deliverance saying, you know what, I'm done. You know, like that's it. I, mm. I'm out of here. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to, I did what I did and I'm just leave my videos and move on. But this weekend um, was a strengthening, I think a strengthening and a affirmation mm. and a reaffirming mm. that our labor has not been in vain. And I'm sure that every pioneer or at least every uh, uh, reformer in the ministry of deliverance received some strength. I think we all received some strength. We were rejuvenated. If anything, I was like, man, quitting what? The devil is a liar, man. I'm going to take this all the way through. And I think that all of the pastors that were there, at least the, some, the ones that I, I, I had an opportunity to, to speak with, they were all rejuvenated. They were all strengthened. And they, they just kind of made that recommitment to just continue to set the captives free. So it was, it was at least historic for those of us in the clergy that have embraced. You know, because sometimes people say there's a lot of pastors that don't embrace it. And that's true. The, the, the vast majority of evangelicalism doesn't embrace it. But then there's a remnant of us that have, mm-hmm. have embraced mm-hmm. it. You know, and we were strengthened this past weekend, and it was it was absolutely phenomenal. So so awesome, so good. Anyone else have any thoughts they want to touch on for the conference? I, I want to say was, something. Good. Yeah, go for it. Okay. I feel like from the conference there was a line that was drawn in the sand, and people have really crossed over to the point of really no return, where you cannot go back to just sitting in church and high-fiving your neighbor and get a little gift in the lobby, and then you go home totally demonized, wanting to kill yourself, and then you do that over and over. Those days are over. The churches, they're like awakening, Mm -hmm. and they're going, oh my gosh, we need change back in Ohio, and we need change back in Idaho, and all these different places. They're going back, and they're going, no, we are standing for something that Jesus himself in the word told us to do, period, point blank. And we're not settling. Come on. I'm not going to settle and watch my teenager in the room want to kill herself and not have the authority to go and cast that demon up and out. And so I think what people did, they were excited. It was amazing that we got to see this. But also it's a very sobering thing that happened when they left. They're going back to places and going, now we need change here. And I do believe like whoever said, I don't remember who said it, but pastors are going to start to go, we either got to get on board or we finna get left behind. Come on. I love it. Mm -hmm. I think also um, what I've seen is that the Lord is raising up in this hour right now, almost like this Jehu generation. Where if you remember what happened with Jehu, uh, the previous guys before him who were powerful men of God, prophets, um, but they, they, they ran from Jezebel. Come on, Vlad. But Jezebel was confronted by Jehu, Jehu and then he brought her down. And I think that there has been men and women of God who came before us, apostles and prophets and evangelists, and who were mighty. And But the highlight of deliverance has not been embraced mm-hmm. mainstream in America, like, like it's being embraced by the young leaders that we see today. And it almost feels like people are labeling this as a weird, weird ones, but Jehu was wild one. Come he on, was yeah, wild. The Bible says that on, he was wow. ri- riding his donkey like a madman. Mm-hmm. 
And so, and I sense that this is like, even if I look at you guys today and I look at what was happening at this conference, like you can't say that this was pretty, it, but it was wild. Come it on. was wild. It wasn't weird, but it was wild. You I... know, the devil has been defeated. Demons were cast out and God's kingdom was established. And I think believers, every, every day believer was equipped that they can do this. And so I'm just really glad that Daniel, you pulled the trigger by uh, bringing everybody together. And I do believe that it was divine. The Holy Spirit was really behind this because for most of us to get us into one room, it's very difficult because of our schedule. So the fact that everything lined up and then after about, you know, six of you guys decided to say yes, everybody else was just saying yes because they didn't want to miss out. <laughs> yeah. so, <laughs> and so, and I'm just really glad I was really impacted. Honestly, on Sunday morning, I was at the other church on Sunday morning and thank you Daniel for giving me the permission to do that. I just got a testimony as we were going live. I had a word of knowledge that somebody had a motorcycle accident. Turns out this person had broken pieces of the bones and actually missing bones. He just got confirmed by the doctor today. He came to his church. The bone supernaturally grew and got completely wow. restored. And so, so the pastor messaged me, he's like, you won't believe it. This is like creative miracle. And Come I do on. see the grace of God, uh, not just on deliverance, but healing, the prophetic that was released and, and people getting saved, people bringing demonic objects and cigarettes yep. and witchcraft stuff on the stage. And it was just incredible. And I'm just so overjoyed with what the Lord has done. I wanted so to good. say this too, what people didn't know. And I want to let y'all guys know and everybody watching that was there, there was, there was an infused kids room and I've yes. gotten I've gotten videos where the kids were delivering each other Come on. from demons and they were being filled with the Holy Spirit. I have literal videos of kids casting demons out of one another mm. in that room. We didn't even realize what was going on over there. It was mm. wild what they were doing. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. You know, I want to say and I want to give you honor for setting everything up the way that you did because I, I witnessed that. And one of the most powerful moments of the conference for me personally was, um, you know, you guys had a cover. I think Rickard was on stage going absolutely buck wild, crazy, mass deliverance, demons coming, coming out everywhere. And so then I see, you know, Pastor Vlad's casting out demons. So I thought to myself, the whole front's covered and they're like air raiding this place from the, <laughs> from the mic. So I'm going to go disperse into the crowd. And I stumbled upon this eight-year-old boy I mean, who was fully demonized and it wasn't psychosomatic. It wasn't something that he was just emulating because he saw it in the room. I mean, it was a legitimate, he needed deliverance. And these demons were shouting at his mom, we're coming for you next. We're coming wow. for you next. Wow. And so then I walk up and everyone's like, it's Pastor Mike, Pastor Mike, take over. I'm like, oh, here we go, Lord. I'm doing this in front of a live audience. But, um, you know, I'm not going to lie, it was a difficult deliverance and there was a lot there, but there came this moment where I brought the boy back and I said, where's your dad? And he said, my dad's in prison. Wow. And I turned to the mom and I said, is that true? Is your dad in prison? And or is his dad in prison? And she said, yes. And I just started dealing with that orphan spirit. And as soon as that broke, mm -hmm. this little eight-year-old boy, he just hunched over and started to cough and then he started vomiting and then everything i mean every spirit came out and then he came yeah. back up and immediately said i feel so good i feel so much better Amen. the whole place erupted and it was just such a powerful moment and so seeing every generation get free it, yeah. even as a pastor and i want to speak prophetically as a pastor it's like 
the movement that because we're in that era we are in the deliverance revival era we're in the deliverance church era i mean it happened from the conference till now it redefines kid kids ministry now come on mm-hmm. it redefines youth ministry wow. and so wow. I, I believe within the next 18 months much of what we've had in america for the last several years will be completely irrelevant and it's mm-hmm. it's not necessarily pentecostals or charismatics that are driving this it's it's people who are bound and they're in captivity saying we want freedom we're driving come on this. come on i there was yeah. a lady just as you said that was at the altar during the mass deliverance and she was like probably in her i think she said she was like 85 or 87 she's probably watching this but she's in her late 80s and she came up to me she was the sweetest little old lady she was just watching everybody screaming getting delivered she said i've been in church for 70 years 70 70 years and i've never wow. seen anything like this and then what she told me was i always knew that this was in the bible but i just never saw it before i mean think about that guy 70 years in church and she, that yeah. was her first time ever seeing deliverance and once you experience it and let's let's all be clear about something these events are not just to get people delivered because some people say you guys every time you're going and getting delivered again and again no we are mobilizing an unstoppable army in the last mm-hmm. days that's going to violently assault assault the gates of hell we're not just doing these events to come get delivered again and again we are mobilizing people to go out and make disciples and do the things that jesus did and so people are leaving these events yes free but there's many people that come that don't even need deliverance, but they're getting equipped, they're getting trained, and they're yeah. they're getting practice in. They're getting to do deliverance, get encouraged, meet other Christians, and then go out like arrows. I really saw that at the conference. Like God was launching these arrows all over the world. I met a guy Ooh. from Seoul, Korea. I met people from Europe. I met someone from yeah. Colombia that was there. I met someone from Mexico. Mm-hmm. I was meeting people from all over the world that were like, I'm bringing this back to my country. I know, Daniel, you probably know more than me. People from all over the world were like, I'm going to bring this thing back to my country. And so, man, that was so wild. I just want to share one quick testimony when we were at the hotel. Some of you guys saw the video I posted. That young kid, because a lot of these people are coming out of new age and they're coming out of the occult yeah. and they're just getting saved. So even tonight as we teach and do Q&A, we all think like everybody knows this, but there's a lot of new people watching that just got saved. And yeah. this young kid was in VR, which if you don't know, that's the virtual reality, the headset. He was in virtual reality and he was doing stuff I can't mention over a microphone. He was living a trans lifestyle, was part of the alphabet community. And somebody came up to him in virtual reality, shared the gospel with him, told us about our Demon Slayer videos. He ended up getting yeah. saved in VR, turning his life to Christ, watching the videos. This is four months ago. So he's in Jacksonville, Florida. He finds out about the event on the last day, drives from Jacksonville, Florida to the event, says, God, if you're, if it's your will, let me share my testimony with the guys. Well, all of us guys at like one in the morning, we're at the hotel and this guy shows up screaming. We're like, why is this guy yelling? He's like, I just told God if he would allow me to share my testimony with you guys. And you're here, you're at this hotel. I didn't even know you were here. Shares this testimony. And then, guys, I, we won't go into this tonight, but we'll talk another day about this. He starts showing us videos of them doing deliverance in the metaverse, in VR, in VR chat. And they're in virtual reality, ministering to people. He said he spent over wow. 400 hours in the last four months wow, ministering Jesus. to people, doing deliverance in virtual reality, and casting out demons in virtual reality. Like... People are getting free and delivered and God is using these things. So these are the type of people that are coming that are, I've only been saved two months. I met a girl there, new age. 
I was in the new age heavy. I was doing all this stuff out of YouTube channel and I got saved two months ago and found your guys' videos and now I'm serving God and now I'm here. Two months out of the new age, out of the occult and just on fire for God. And so it's just been absolutely amazing what God is doing at these events. Um, it's just been super awesome. So let's jump into now the Q&A. This will be the one, I guess we can go quick. Maybe we'll go like 30 seconds a minute each. This will be the only question that we all answer. And then the rest, it'll just be whoever feels led to answer. We'll kind of just talk and dialogue here. But the first question that came in was, how did you get into deliverance ministry? So I guess we can, I mean, we could probably answer this pretty quick. Let's go like we did the intros from Pagani over to how we got into deliverance ministry. Go for it, Pagani. Okay, I got into the deliverance ministry for two reasons. One, I was a pastor and I was bound by pornography. Number two, most of the men in my church were also bound by pornography. And at the time, I didn't believe that a, a Holy Come Spirit on. filled Christian can be demonized uh, and have a demon living on the inside. But when you're desperate, your theology changes a little bit. So I became so desperate for my own personal freedom and for the freedom of those that I was pastoring, that I actually told God this, God, I don't believe in this deliverance stuff. I don't even think it's doctrinally sound, but all I know is, is that I'm their pastor and my primary focus for me is to help them get free. So Come if on. this is you, I'm willing to try it. You're just gonna have to bypass, you know, my theological tangents that I'm, I'm trapped in and entanglements and help me get free and help me get them free. And I ended up getting free first, and then it just kind of spread to uh, to my leadership, and then it just kind of broke out all over the church, and then from the Bronx, it spread all over uh, to New York City, and then, like, here we are. So um, I got into it because I got free, and then my life's purpose was to help others get free as I got free. So good. So the way that I got into deliverance ministry was I got radically saved and I started looking at the Bible and going like, Hey, wait, I think we could do this stuff. Like the Bible says this was before like any religious person was able to get a hold of me and tell me that you can't do the stuff the Bible says you can do. So I read it and was like, we could do this. And then days later we were having a prayer meeting and some friend brought his, like, I think it was his aunt or someone that was like in prostitution. And so we, we didn't know we were just praying and she just started screaming, growling. And I'm like, what is going on? I was only saved a few days and she was on the ground just screaming. So again, guys, remember, I didn't know. I've never seen a deliverance. I don't know what to do. I just was like, the Holy Spirit was like, start commanding it to leave her. So I thought, and this is laughable. I've shared this before. I thought demons were like literally in people and they had to like, you could like see them. They had to like literally come out of them. So I kid you not, don't try this at home. I was only saved like four or five days. So don't, I don't recommend this. I got on top of the lady, like straddling her, like on, I'm on top of her and I'm, like, come out of her. I could see you in there. I'm like <laughs> on top of her. I thought I was going to be able to see the demon in her. So I had her open her mouth. I was like, open your mouth. And I was like looking down, trying to see like if I could see the demon in there. And I'm screaming. I'm literally straddling on top of this lady. Everyone's like, no, doesn't know what to do. She's screaming like, get off of me. You can't have me. Leave me alone. And I'm like, oh, that's a demon talking, right? It was probably her, but I was like, it's the demon talking. So we ended up just doing deliverance on her. Didn't know how. My uncle's like, okay, Isaiah, you got to get off her. I was like choking her. It was all bad. So we ended up finally praying and praying and praying and just commanding it to leave, commanding it to leave. And then that opened up my eyes to, oh, wait a minute, this is real. So then I had all my party friends, my unsafe friends coming over for prayer and they just started manifesting. They'd be slithering around on the ground or growling or screaming. And so then I was like, well, it says in the Bible we could do this. And so let's just do it. And we just started, that was uh, 12 years ago, 2011. We just started doing it. And uh, it's been an incredible time now doing deliverance. Well, it'll be 12 years in January, 11 years, but 12 in January. It's been an amazing time casting out demons. Jenny Weaver, how did you get into deliverance ministry? 
The first time that I experienced deliverance ministry, I was locked up in jail. I'd been in there for a couple months and um, I was on my bunk and I was singing Amazing Grace and um, all the ladies started to crowd into the room. And uh, normally the, the guards, they would not allow that many women to be in someone's bunk. It's just, it, it gets chaotic. And I remember we were packed in there like shoulder to shoulder. The, I mean, it was the spirit of God that was drawing these women. Mind you, I was just fresh off the streets and I, I was just getting my life together. Literally said the prayer on my bunk and was like, Jesus, I need you, like help me. And next thing I know, I'm hearing screaming and demons manifesting Come all on. over and me. And this 60 year old, old white lady that was in there, bless her heart. If, you, if you're on here, if you, can you like reach out to me? I've been trying to find you. Uh, she's like, we need to pray. And we're going up to people and, and I'm like, there's vomit, there's stuff. And we're just, all we knew almost like instinctively, come out in the name of Jesus, come, come out in the name of Jesus. I'm shocked that the guards did not shut us down. Women were screaming, stuff was, it was just unbelievable. That was my first experience. Still didn't know that a Christian could have a demon. And so fast forward, I get saved and sanctified and I've got my prayer language. I'm all over the church as a worship leader three years and totally demonized. Wow. Totally demonized. And I didn't know that. And the, the lady said, would you like to come to a deliverance service? And I went to the deliverance service and I was like, I can't wait to see this. This is going to be fun. And never thought in a million years that I could have a demon because I had my prayer language and I was come a worship on. leader. And ain't nobody was going to tell me I had a demon. Sure wow. enough, they'd have a whole bunch of demons. And for two hours, went through deliverance like I was watching a movie. And I, I, I couldn't... I, I, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at my body. I'm hearing voices come out of my own vocal cords come on, Jenny. that were not mine. I started taking my fingernails, trying to cut my own skin, flesh back open. All these men, I'm 125 pounds soaking wet. Literally, I'm tiny, grown, big men holding me down as I'm trying to climb the wall backwards. Wow. So after two hours, I was finally able, my jaw unclenched. I, was, I couldn't say Jesus the whole time. I was trying. I had been singing Jesus for three years on the platform, never manifested. And yeah, I finally yeah. said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I felt everything lift, everything leave. Come on. I felt like a totally different person and I got set free. And from that point on, I've been just set on fire to see other people delivered. Come Amen. on. So Come good. On. Julie Lopez, how did you get involved into deliverance ministry? So in my case, I believe it was a process because when I became Christian, I had a supernatural encounter with the love of God. So that was my first encounter. But I was still being chased by this spirit guide that I was consecrated to. So I was experiencing, even though I was a Christian, even though I faced and I encountered the love of God, I was still this spirit guy was chasing me, touching me. I used to feel like fear in the middle of the night to the point that this spirit guy came asking for permission to my husband when I married him, even as a Christian. So I entered into a process of deliverance. So that was the moment when me and my mom, we realized we need deliverance. There's something called deliverance. How do we break the legal right for this spirit guy to stop chasing you? And that's when my mom, me and my mom entered into a process of breaking generational courses, breaking witchcraft, breaking the decrees. And so this spirit guy left and then I entered into the process of deliverance in different areas in my life 
because I always say deliverance is daily. Deliverance is not just a one prayer. We need to analyze our life as a whole and see where do we need Come deliverance on. in our life. So I enter into like 10 years of deliverance, intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And I, I because since I became Christian, I always have the thought of, Lord, I want to go against darkness. They kill my dad. Look what they did. So I want to go against them. But the Lord told me, no, you are because by that point I was reading a book of demonology. I was learning and the Holy Spirit told me close that book because right now you are going to focus in building my relate my uh, uh, your relationship with me. So that's wow. what I did throughout this process until one day with a prophecy someone prophesied to me about the deliverance anointing and i knew i was just waiting for the perfect time and then um and then i found you asaya and i was like okay lord what do i do i don't know about deliverance so i put my name my website on your deliverance map and people started to contact me so for eight months i was doing deliverance every single day Come for four on. to five hours wow. i didn't know how to do it and then after eight months i was frustrated i was like holy spirit you need to give me a strategy i want to reach more people more people need to be set free so i believe that throughout those eight months i was doing deliverance but i was also being trained then the holy spirit told me open a deliverance a, a mentorship platform so that was last year one year ago i opened it and in four months months we have over two thousand people Come i was on. doing lives every week and that's when i just started to say like lord like deliverance is the children's bread deliverance yeah. is not a ministry but an authority and each one of us can step into that deliverance anointed but i believe that also the lord is bringing order because things in the church have been disorganized and i believe that one of the things that the lord is bringing into the deliverance and the prophetic is order so that's how i started here so good and by the way julie so has julie has one of the strongest testimonies you've ever heard i have right. she has several videos on youtube but i also have her video on my channel and it is just her testimony you can type in her name on youtube is so strong and we so glad that you're here julie lopez we honor you and eight months guys every day i didn't even know when i reached out to her that she was on the deliverance map she's like i've been on your map and i've been watching your stuff and i saw her testimony on somebody else's page invited her to, to be on the show and it's just been amazing what god is doing watching you julie we're cheering you on all of us here i I can yeah. tell you right now we're cheering you on to see Columbia on fire for God delivered and walking the power of God so we just appreciate you Julie all right pastor Mike what's going on man how did you how did man, you so, get into deliverance so ministry this is so good by the way you know I think everybody has the same story where you don't find deliverance deliverance finds come you. on wow that's good come on you know what I mean and I love so, that. So, but here's the thing. So in the late 90s, some of y'all were like little fetuses back then. <laughs> like you were, but in, in the late 90s, I was a young leader in a church in the hood in South Chicago. I had a single mom with five kids on welfare, had come through multiple abusive stepdads, a lot of trauma in my home. And we were just faithfully attending a, a small uh, Spanish Pentecostal church in South Chicago. And we got a big influx of people from Puerto Rico and they all had been heavily involved in witchcraft. Wow. And so I'm praying for people just like as, as a young leader and they start manifesting and obviously nobody knew what to do. And it was like one of those, like, is the demon going to come out of them and go into this other person? <laughs> do we send all the kids out of the room? You know, like old school. <laughs> and so we start looking for who's in Chicago that can train us. And I find this young minister at the time, and his name was Apostle John Eckhart. 
and he has a church in Chicago and he actually comes in with his team and trains me and my team. And I'll never forget. It was hilarious because when he'll probably in, watch this, by the way. So shout out to him. Cause that's crazy. The fruit that remains. Yeah. Yeah. I've hit him up and t I told him this story because you know, when they came in, it was like, I'm, I'm still in my teens. And they were like, who's the leader? I'm like me. And they're like, no, seriously, who's <laughs> the leader? On. I'm like me. I was just so hungry, you know, at that, uh -huh. at that point. And so anyways, um, they equipped and trained now as apostle John Eckhart became a prolific writer from that point on to see his ministry flourish. I realized more and more that God had done something very special in my life by enabling me to be, uh, you know, specifically trained in the early days of his ministry. And now that I'm the age that he was when he trained me, it's this surreal, like full circle wow. generational shift, you know? Um, wow. But, but anyway, so I, we started casting out demons and then all of a sudden it became fun and we're like man we could mop the floor with the devil like we have authority <laughs> you know we it was one of those moments and so then from that point on clear through my 20s and 30s i did deliverance but it was one of those things where the kingdom in the wild is so pure but then when you bring it into religion and tradition and you experience people telling you that what you're doing is not right it could really mm. um diminish what the lord is doing you know mm. And it's like, and so my experience was actually taking deliverance into so many churches around the world and then starting to experience persecution and saying, but wait a second, like people are getting free. I, it's almost like I didn't understand it. And it was actually years and years later where I actually started my own church, V1 Church, and said, at this church, deliverance is going to be normal because mm. we're never going to hold it back from people and facing all the persecution. And then Fast forward, I remember during the pandemic, I had never done a deliverance virtually. I never did it online. A hundred percent of my deliverance experience was in the analog real world. And I remember waking up in the pandemic and I'm in New York City. They're loading bodies into refrigerated trucks down the street from my apartment. Um, Apostle Pagani knows what I'm talking about. And I was like, what is the craziest thing I can do? Because I just want to be on the offensive, not the defensive. Mm. Wow. And I was like, I'm going to grab my phone today and I'm going to start casting demons out of whoever will jump on my life. And I didn't, I had never seen that done before. I, I didn't even know that Isaiah Saldivar existed, to be honest with you. I had seen some of Vlad's stuff. I had seen Apostle Bagani. But so anyways, I jump on my phone and I just start casting demons out and it just keeps going viral like every day of the pandemic. And that's when actually Isaiah reached out to me. He was like, bro, I've been watching your stuff on Facebook. Do you want to connect? Do you want to come on my show? Which I didn't realize was going to change my life. And we come did that on. broadcast <laughs> called Digital a digital Revival, I yeah, think we yeah. called it. And it was all about deliverance. And then it just created this entirely new paradigm of releasing people. And then now since that moment till now, almost 10,000 people have been trained globally to do deliverance. And they can't stop us, man. The come movement on, is rising. It's like, we got you cornered, devil. Come on now. I love it. And guys, we're 500 away from 10,000. So we're about to break our record of 10,000 here. So we're going to keep sharing it and posting it. And yeah, Mike, that was our, our first date was that podcast, man. That's whenever we all we all got together and it's been love ever since. All right, Vlad, go ahead. How did, how did Vlad Sapchuk get involved in deliverance ministry? Well, it was my pastor. So my pastor grew up in Ukraine as a missionary. And when he started the church at a uh, year about 2000, I was 13 years of age. And I come from a very strong Pentecostal, more like a united uh, 
uh, in America is like I think uh, apostolic Pentecostal. So like no head cov uh, head coverings, no makeup, very very strict. And so my uncle, who's my pastor, he was taking us to Bob Larson's seminars. That's like in 2000, 2001, 2003. And, um, and I mean, it, it scared me. It was scary. Uh, but he pretty much let me drink water from the fire hose from the beginning. Come on. Um, not much explanation. Our first church conference, which was about 20 years ago, uh, we, we gathered maybe like 300 or something people. My pastor opens the church conference by playing three <laughs> videos of Bob Larson's demon interrogation. So no worship, nothing. We just start with three videos. One back. I mean, I saw parents hiding their children, <laughs> taking their children out. I mean, we were embarrassed because we we're like, what will our friends think about us? And our pastor cared very little about what people thought Come about on, him Vlad. and stuff. So and then when it was later, but honestly, the first deliverance that I've seen on somebody that was uh, around 17 when a guy that got saved and then I've watched enough from Bob Larson to know that you know you have to break curses and uh, close open doors if you were involved in witchcraft so I let him through that and he experienced full-blown manifestation and then I find out that next day he was actually uh, supernaturally healed even though we were not praying for healing but when the demon left he was also healed but deliverances were not consistent until my and again it was my pastor who found tb joshua on some channel he was watching him for a year he did a 40-day fast went to tb joshua he received the prophetic word and then some six months later we took a group from our church there a lot of our group experienced deliverance and tb joshua gave us this thing called anointing water now talk about deliverance is controversial we went super <laughs> ultra hyper controversial because we prayed for people with water I mean, Come on. we were labeled as every negative thing that you could think of. And so what it did, we did four years prayer for deliverance with TB Joshua's anointing water. So we, we pretty much became the black sheep in the Slavic community very quickly. But everybody knew that if you have a demon, that's where you go and stuff. So, But if you don't have a demon, this is who you criticize. And so, Wow, um, that's a word. And it did, and it did two things word. for us. One is it stiffened our, ne our spine because I realized... At that time, I didn't understand it, that ministry of deliverance is not possible if you're busy pleasing people. Wow. And so that we were pretty much right away thrown being rejected by a lot of people. So that stiffened our, our spine. And secondly, honestly, we got a really good experience with that. So four years of doing that with water and then TB Joshua stopped supplying water. So we just uh, used the name of Jesus and uh, continued to pray. Uh, and, and then we did deliverance on a national, national level with one of his disciples for about three years and we were just there catching people so we would do deliverances every month no problem people would come and we do deliverance but not like on a big level it was more of like on a smaller level people would come and we pray for people but on a conference level we always had one of the like the, the serious people that would come and do deliverance and we just catch people walk around help them and one time this was about four years ago uh, this gentleman gets denied visa three times in a row we got u.s congress involved and he gets denied visa on Monday. We have like a big conference on Friday. And so Rickard was already here. And so we pretty much pulled a whole week of fasting all night, prayer, day and night. I mean, because we were freaked out because we did it on a small level, not on a, on a big level. And so uh, the guy didn't come for the conference. So we stepped in. Uh, we did deliverance as a team on a more of a 
larger conference style and ever since then honestly it became the culture in our church and um and yeah and so now we got kind of like labeled as oh that's the only thing we do but that's not the only thing we do we're a local church we have small groups kids ministry uh powerful dynamic ministry to teenagers in schools we're saving kids like crazy and so online ministry so so much stuff but deliverance is one of the like i would say highlighted things in our ministry so that's how we began Wow, that's so good. You know, Vlad, one day I felt like, man, Lord, I was praying and I was like, I don't know if I want to be that guy. And the Holy Spirit's like, what guy? I was like, the deliverance guy. And the Holy Spirit was like, so you're ashamed of me? You're ashamed of being like Jesus? I mean, we've all, Mm. every one of us here, the eight of us, we've all felt that time where we're like, I don't know if I want to be that guy anymore, where it's like, he's the guy that casts out demons. But isn't that like the best thing? That's a badge of honor. For some, that would be like Mm -hmm. shame. That's basically saying, oh, you're like the guy that does stuff Jesus did. Like, it might sound bad to some, but to those that know the word and believe the gospels, that's the best label you could have, that that guy that helps people get free. So that was such a powerful story, Vlad. Isaiah, I'm going to do a little plug again during this time when we prayed with the water um i remember during one night prayer i said to the lord i said god this this is really embarrassing i don't even understand some of it myself i don't want to do this this is i start wow. getting canceled this is before cancel culture was popular <laughs> this I was is, being we got invented faster. here <laughs> yeah and and another thing that we did which was extremely controversial we posted all deliverance videos online like the next day we didn't even have media release forms now we have media release <laughs> forms all of that no media release forms we posted so we were we were under such a such a huge persecution now some of it we deserve some of the persecution 100 percent. I, I don't i'm not saying all the critics are wrong but i went to prayer and this is what the lord shook me back into reality. He brought the story of Saul and he said this, he says, when Saul refused to kill Amalekites, I lifted my grace. Saul refused to kill Amalekites because he pleased people. He said, if you choose to please people instead of delivering people, he says, this is what's going to happen. You will keep your title. You will keep your ministry. I will lift my anointing. And he says, when I lift my anointing, guess what happened to Saul when he didn't kill Amalekites? Demons started to harass him. He says, then you will come under demonic attack because you will still do ministry except without my anointing. I wept like a baby. I cried. I said, God, you can take everything away. Do not take the anointing and don't make me a target for demons. Protect me. Let people say whatever they want to say, but keep the anointing. I will not please people. I will seek to deliver them, love them and serve them. And then honestly, little did I knew is that 10 years down the road, eight years down the road, you know, the Lord's going to open such an influence, provide such a, you know, honestly use us for his glory in a way that is just incredible. So I am really grateful for that. And I'm glad that none of us quit and gave up. So good, Vlad. We're 300 away from 10,000. So share with all your friends, your cousins, your aunt you haven't talked to in three years. Go ahead and share it with her because we're now we're 200 away. So we're 200 away from 10,000, which will be amazing. Rickard, how did you get involved into deliverance ministry? Okay, yeah. So um, I grew up being a PK, pastor's kid. Uh, obviously, the natural thing that happens for most of us who are pastor's kid is that at some point we are ordained as the youth pastor of our own dad's <laughs> ministry. So that's what happened. So I, I get ordained as a youth pastor or youth leader in my dad's church. And I'm like, hey, let's do this. And I start reading the Bible more because now that I'm ordained as a youth pastor, I also have to read the Bible occasionally, you know, kind of growing up <laughs> in that kind of an atmosphere and stuff. So I read the book of Acts. I, I read the gospel and I realize, hey, there's power of God here. So I start preaching about it. And then I go and I, I lay hands on a couple of people because as a, as a youth leader, you get the chance to preach on Sundays as well. 
So I go and I preach this power, power packed message, you know, the power of God is real. And I pray for people, nothing, nothing happens. Come on. You know, and I get really discouraged. So I start Googling about the power of God and stuff. Like, how, how does it work? How do I like get connected to the power of God and stuff? This ministry of Prophet TB Joshua comes up online. I go there and visit with my dad one time, spend a week in Nigeria. Now that's pretty, that's, that's, uh, uh, that's, that was crazy for me the first time I visited because the kind of miracles I saw there, I'm like, oh yeah, that, th this is it. Instantly it like infused me and I knew that this is the real thing. The lame are walking, dead are being resurrected, cancerous tumors are, are melting off of people and all kinds of crazy miracles. The, 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 kind of, the kind that people say, oh, that can never happen in America. That only happens in Africa or India or somewhere because, you know, whatever. But I, I believe that that kind of power of God is already present in America. It's just that people's faith needs to be plugged right. into that, Come believing on. that Jesus Christ can still do it today. So I went there. Uh, a year later, I finished school sent an email, asked if I can come and live there as a disciple. I thought I would go there for three months, get, you know, whatever anointing he had, and then go and start it in Sweden. You know, three months is sufficient, I thought. Ended up staying there for 10 years. And once I went wow. there, I just couldn't leave. It was incredible, the kind of miracles. Some of the deliverances that I saw there, like, you know, crazy things where, where I, I can't even explain it, where murderers, ritual killers, uh, uh, you know, all kinds of witch doctors and, and all the, the worst of the worst kind of things comes into the church, gets arrested under the anointing of God. Demons are cast out. And I'm literally there watching like Acts chapter 29 happening in front of me, uh, totally mind blown and, and stuff like that. And then I know many people are like, oh, yeah, that can happen in Africa and stuff. But those kind of demons, they don't exist in U.S. or they don't exist in Europe. The problem is they do. They just look differently in Europe and U.S. They carry a Bible under their arm and shout hallelujah. Okay, that's oh my God. Like... So, so I'm not trying to bash on any, anyone or, or anything like that. I'm not trying to be the, the crazy one here in the chat. But, but yeah, uh, so, so that happened. I came back uh, to Sweden and I was on fire from, from that time on. Uh, I joined uh, Pastor Vlad and, and it's just been going since there, honestly. Uh, the deliverances that I saw happening there from, from my mentor, uh, Prophet T.B. Joshua, learned, learned firsthand, just literally doing what he was doing, doing what he told me, doing what he showed and stuff like that. And yeah, the power of God is, it's, it's working, guys. It's working. Come on. The, uh, Jesus is still alive. He's still on the but throne and he still casts devils out. Right. I love it. So good. And by the way, also, Rickard has a, a channel called The Deliverance Podcast. And go subscribe. But here's the thing. I have put everybody's channel in the description. So I have Julie's channel, Jenny's channel. All of our channel is in the description. Daniel's is there. So whoever you guys want, go subscribe to all eight of us. That will help us out a lot. And we are actually 80 people from 10,000. So this is amazing. So we'll probably hit 10,000 while Daniel is sharing, which is absolutely incredible. Daniel Adams. We know Daniel Adams, the demon slayer, whooping him up. I saw your videos of you casting out demons on the street. And I was like, I got to get to know this guy. He's whooping up the devil right there in public. Didn't care. One thing I love about you, Daniel, is you just like Rickard, do not care what people think about you doing deliverance, about you praying for people. You're just unapologetically bold. I love that. Daniel Adams, tell us, how did you get involved into deliverance ministry? Well, it's kind of like Papa Sig said, it's kind of <laughs> deliverance. <laughs> del yeah. Deliverance ministry actually found me. 
Um, mm-hmm. I went through years and years of just being bound by fear, and I know that's hard to believe, but I, I grew up so fearful of everything. Uh, my mother wow. my mother had such an intense fear, and I used to have allergies and everything. I was addicted, not addicted, but I used to be, but uh, allergies, you just name it, until I actually got out from under my mother at the time, and then they all disappeared, you know? Wow. So wow. I, used to be, I used to be tremendously bound by fear. Um, I used to have be supernaturally attacked in the night. I mean, demons would come and rock me in my bed, hold me down. Um, they would slam cabinets. I used to hear them walking on the top of the roof. They used to orbs would fly around. I mean, I, the devil was trying to get. He was trying to make sure that I was very fearful of him. And I remember um, it was it was around 2000, like I said, 2011. I had the encounter in the, with the dream of Jesus, and then 2013, around 12, 13. Actually, what happened is I was in a gym, and there was a girl who claimed to be a prophetess. She had some problems, but anyway, that was another thing. But she, you know, she was the most spiritual thing I knew at the time. You know, I didn't know anything. I, did, I just knew the devil was real, and he had power. I didn't realize how much power God had. She started mm-hmm. to tell me, and something sparked interest in my heart. And the very next day, this, this older gentleman, he was probably in his late 60s, early 70s, comes through the, the door of 24-hour fitness and brings me a big case of books and hands them to me and says, read these and come sit under my teachings. And he was, I don't know if you guys know who Henry Wright is, being health in Georgia. Uh, he was a disciple of Wendell Knight, uh, of, of Henry Knight. His name was Wendell Knight, and he gives me these books. And I, I sit under him for a year and a half, and I learned how, I learned how sickness and demons were connected. I learned about the names of demons. I, I just sat under him for a year and a half and just gleaned off of him. And then after that, of course, I became a I became a personal trainer in my own gym, and it was at that time from receiving from that man of God and from learning and getting set free in some areas myself from fear and stuff, the power of God just it just burst out from me. I mean, it just happened. And this is this was a man. Now get it. Now this is a guy who was an ex cage fighter who was radical in his mindset already, and God like hands me this power in my hand that I didn't understand. I didn't know how to do anything with it. I just had faith. I'd been watching YouTube videos with people like, believe it or not, Bob Larson, TB Joshua, you know, I'm watching these videos. And even, even I came across later down Milwaukee, I came across Pagani and him doing stuff. And around 2015, I found him. But before that, I was looking at TB Joshua and I was looking at Bob Larson. And I just said, man, I even watched Benny Hinn. I was doing everything I knew to possibly do. The only difference is, is when I would try to do the things Benny Hinn was doing, when I would move my hand, people would start to scream, shake, and get delivered. And I said, hold on, this ain't this. Something's wrong. Something is, the, I, I thought something was wrong with me. I literally, I literally thought I had something wrong on the inside of me. I was thinking that I was working in some weird power because I was like, why is it when I move my hand, these things are <laughs> like screaming out of people and they're not like under the glory and shaking and laughing and crying. <laughs> I got a demon over here squirming like from Santeria or whatever, you know? So I, I had a, I had an interesting encounter with deliverance, but deliverance found me. I got the power of God and then I went into character development right after that. So um, come on, that, that's, that's pretty much, that's, yeah. That's pretty much how I walked into it. And what's funny is over time, just in obedience and being sanctified and living a whole, you know, learning to live in holiness and purity and righteousness and living a fasted life and stuff like that, you know, things increase and things grow over time. And that's what we've seen. So that's the testimony of how uh, deliverance found me. 
So good. Daniel Adams, guys, just said he got delivered from fear. Who would have ever thought Ooh. that? And then you might be in the chat wow. going, I can never do it. And you might be the next Daniel Adams. And that's, Come guys, on. our prayer tonight is that there would be Jenny Weavers in the chat that would rise up. Apostle Pagani's, Julie Lopez's, Vlad's in the chat that God would raise up tonight. I mean, the next Reinhard Bonnke could be in the chat tonight, you know, 12 years old watching this. Like, think about it. Reinhard Bonnke was 12 years old watching somebody preach one day. And what if there's the next mm -hmm. Reinhard Bonnke tonight that God raises up? That's our goal is to get you guys trained and equipped to go do these things. Amazing answers. Okay, here's a good one. Someone said, can you please talk about, well, actually, let me word this properly. Can you please talk about the sacrifice your spouse makes being involved in deliverance ministry or how deliverance ministry has affected your marriage? So we're all, are we all married here? I'm pretty sure we're all married here, correct? Yes? Yeah, we're all married here. Um, wow, we could go here many different ways. Talk to us a little bit, guys, about your spouse and deliverance. Has it affected your marriage? Has the sacrifice affected your marriage? I, let me all start out here, okay, because my wife's watching. and Oh, we just broke 10,000. Let, let's all clap first. Praise the Lord. 10,106 people are watching. We officially broke 10,000. This is our third time now ever doing that. We've never broken 11,000, so that'll be our next goal tonight. But we're already at 10,000, which is absolutely incredible. That is it's hard for me to comprehend that 10,000 people are watching live right now, but it's absolutely amazing. Um, okay, so about our spouses, let me just say this. Without my spouse, I would not be doing any of this. I would not be doing deliverance. I would probably not even be serving God. I wouldn't be anything that I am. My wife holds it down and... My wife could cast out devils, okay? My wife's a crazy white girl. She will cast out devils up and down. So uh, we, whenever we do deliverance, we've done deliverance together many times. Um, I actually did her deliverance before we were married. When she first came to the ministry, uh, we prayed for her, and she's like, I'm Jezebel, and I was like, I'm going to cast that thing out of you and we're going to get married. So that's our story there. But my wife got delivered and got free and has been doing deliverance with me ever since. My wife said straight demon slayer. One of the things that I was like, okay, I'm not going to marry anybody that if it's three in the morning and a demon jumps on me, she can't deal with it by herself. So I got to make sure that I get with somebody that knows how to slay demons. That's, that's, a, that's a for sure number one thing has to happen. And my wife is totally that person. She'll pray for you. She'll cast the demons out of you. She's just on fire for God and she's super supportive. She's not one of those that wants to be on stage and preaching and writing books and all that, which is great. That's a great awesome if you are. She's one of those people that loves to be in the back and just support and take care of all the things at home, take care of the kids and just really support me in any way that she can. I've said this before. I'm going to brag on her one time and then one of you are going to jump in here. My wife in, uh, well, January will be 12 years going on doing ministry, has never one time in 11 years complained about the ministry. And if you, you all know that's incredible because it is demanding. She has to share me with everybody else that I'm ministering to. And she's never complained once. She's never, ever said you travel too much. She's never said, oh, you're on Zoom doing deliverances again. She's never once said you're doing deliverance too long. You've been five hours with that person. You've been six hours praying for that person. She has always been just holding it down, supporting me. And I'm telling you, if you want a healthy marriage, put deliverance in the middle of your marriage and you will have a healthy marriage. All right, somebody else take it away. How's deliverance affected your marriage, your spouse, sacrifice, whatever you feel, you could go for it. When I, when I got married at first and I have the testimony, also, when we shared about spiritual warfare in marriage, you know, my wife came under a very heavy attack. It was a generational curse uh, that was operating. And um, a year and a half into our marriage, it was honestly a spiritual warfare right in, a, in my own house. Um, she was being tormented in her sleep. This was wow. happening every other day. Uh, you know, and actually we did the del deliverance. We even take to, uh, part of the things when we went to be Joshua. To be Joshua prayed for her. 
and she experienced deliverance but there was also a lot of renewing of the mind and breaking down mental strongholds because once the demons leave and the curse is broken she had to really go through that and it took about also about a year for her listening sometimes four or five hours uh, me messages for four or five hours because she worked the post office and once that she came out of that uh, completely Everything changed about her. She became very open to serving in the ministry because she's pastor's daughter as well. And uh, she's used in the ministry. I usually travel because we don't have children right now. So I travel usually 99% of the time with her. And she's always there praying for people with me at the altar. And so, um, so that's been a really huge thing. I always like to say that if it wouldn't be for deliverance, I don't think that I'll be married. And if I would be married, I would be extremely miserable. Wow, that's a good word. Wow. Someone else could jump in here. What what thoughts do you guys have so, on deliverance and marriage? Go ahead, Julie. Yes, I really want, want to share this because deliverance, it didn't only affect my life, but something that I want to share is that I when I married my husband, he wasn't Christian. So this was a huge thing for me because I thought that, oh, because he's not Christian, I cannot do ministry. He is not going to, to support me. He doesn't see the things that I see. He doesn't dream the things that, that I see. So I used to complain all the time until the Holy Spirit told me, why are you complaining? You need to give him the revenge of love and you are one flesh. So when I realized the, the revelation of you are one flesh with your partner, so if you are going through deliverance, you are releasing that deliverance over his life. If the Lord is giving you dreams and visions, you release that over Come your on. partner. And I just started to do that. When the Lord started to take me through that process of deliverance, I was like, Holy Spirit, you are setting me free from this. I declare that you are setting him free right now in the name of Jesus, that you're removing the scales from his eyes. And let me tell you something, that changed completely our relationship why because he suddenly started to have encounters with the audible voice of god he started to have visions he started to have prophecies so even though like he's not he says that he doesn't like to have labels and he doesn't like to call himself a christian but he has encountered jesus and he supports me he if, if i have to travel he stays in the in the house cooks look after all the kids all the kids, two of them. And uh, so, so this is how deliverance impacted like my life, but my, my marriage and how I see how the Holy Spirit took us into a process of breaking generational courses through, um, through dreams. And also because he doesn't know part of his family, the Holy Spirit took us like, for one year discovering his family tree and breaking all of those things. So it's been, it's been deliverance for me. It's like, it has transformed me and changed me, not only my life, but my family, my husband, my children. My son is seven years old and he can tell you, mommy, I'm sensing this, mommy, this person. So just it's not only just in me, but the revival has started in my house because before we cry out for revival in our nations wait a minute revival has to start in you deliverance has to start in your house so um yeah deliverance completely changed my my life and this is how i believe my partner even though he's not at the front with me but he is supporting me in the back so and good. if i can just really if i can just pitch in really quickly i think one of the things that is really, really important if you're watching right now and like you're not married yet and you have desire, you have the plan of God on you, you feel that God wants you to be in ministry. It's really, really, a really, really good idea to make sure that both you 
and the person who you have in your crosshair both go for deliverance because both me and my wife separately received deliverance prior to getting married. And Mm. honestly, it saved us both a lot of headaches. I think it's Mm. very, very crucial if you're able to, like if you've already passed that, I mean, there's hope for you. You can still go for deliverance, but it saves a lot of pain doing that. And uh, and another thing I want to say as well for people... Uh, for partners and wives and husbands of deliverance ministers and itinerant ministers in general. I think if we pay any sacrifice as the minister ourselves, our wives, our husbands pay like twice as much of a price because yeah. they get the the, the, the the back end of the stick. At least we get to be seen. At least, you know, we, we, we get to do what we love, but, but they kind of pay a bigger sacrifice. A big shout out to, to my wife. And, and to all the wives and husbands who aren't necessarily at this point in ministry together yet. So good. I want to I want to say something to that if I can. Yeah, go ahead. What, Anyone could jump in whenever you yeah. guys just take it. Yeah, yeah. What's interesting with me and my wife is we both come out of a weird season with one another. So the way God had to, to actually restore us is he used each one of us to deliver each other. So mm. my wife has delivered me from demons and I've delivered her from demons. So now if we know something's wrong, I just, you know, and it's a beautiful thing to have when you can go to one another. You know, us men, sometimes we have some big egos and we're like, you ain't going to cast a demon out of me, woman or whatever. I, <laughs> I'm over you. That's how men think sometimes. But one of the things that I think God did it to me on purpose because I was so prideful, especially coming from my background and feeling tough and all that is uh, allowing my wife to to take the charge i remember I, I was i had something stuck in my throat and i told my wife one day i said you gotta lay hands and cast it out i remember she was casting out and she was scared as that she's probably in the chat she was scared as the demon was coming out. i said don't you get scared of this thing because i'm still <laughs> conscious i said you get this thing out of me now in the Come mighty on. name of jesus and my wife actually has delivered me on probably two three different occasions and Come on. you know of course I've, I've took her through deliverance too so our marriage has actually thrived because of deliverance ministry, we have actually seen restoration amongst one another because God has used us in such a, it, it's an intimate thing, man. I just can't even explain it. Deliverance has been such a blessing to my marriage. And um, I just love it because God has shown us such grace and mercy through the deliverance ministry. In our marriage. It's so good. I, you know, people say, if you do deliverance, you must be like this weird minister and have like a broken family. Like there's this mindset that deliverance ministers are these weird people that are like, their family will never make it. Like one guy wrote me, said, I know I had an old pastor that got involved in deliverance and he ended up leaving his wife, his kids all left. And I was like, bro, just cause that you had a bad experience doesn't mean that's how mm-hmm. all deliverance is. And one thing right. I love about this next generation that our God is raising up of deliverance ministers is we all have healthy marriages. We all love our families. We all love our kids. Like there's something healthy about deliverance in your marriage and deliverance in your family. It doesn't have to be this weird thing, but it's absolutely amazing. And then then I felt a word of warning to everyone listening. Don't hold your spouse back. If they're going out wanting to do deliverance, be like, hey, listen, you're going out to do deliverance. I got the kids tonight. Let me just say this to some guys that are watching this. You can handle your kids, okay? There's a lot of guys that are like, I don't know what to do with my kids. I'm scared. I have people tell me all the time, my husband won't watch my kids for 10 minutes. I got four kids, and if my wife has to go do a deliverance, which she's done before, and one of the ladies at the church, hey, guess what? I'll watch the kids. Well, it's going to take four hours. What do I do? Order Domino's. Order pizza. Order. You could DoorDash McDonald's. Like, I don't know why these guys out here don't know how to handle their own kids. Let your wife go (laughs) do deliverance. And ladies, let your husband go do deliverance. Be like, all right, honey, I know you're going to go out and be gone for five hours. We're going to miss our date night. But guess what? Casting a devil is suicide out of someone's 
more important than day night. We could reschedule. Like these are the practical things people don't talk about and the mm-hmm. sacrifices. Like I've had times where we're at a conference and my wife and kids are there and they all want to go hang out and we have dinner and we have plans. And then you already know you're about to walk out of the conference. That one person comes up. Will you pray for me real quick? And they start manifesting. You're like, I'm texting. I'm not going to make it tonight. Just go eat without me. I'll be back at 2 a.m. Because you know, there are some demons you're going to cast out and you're going to be at the church till late. So this is the practical price of being in deliverance ministry. And so don't be a hindrance to your spouse. Don't be one of those that's always negative. Oh, you're casting out demons again. I'll do it late. Let them go. Don't hold them back from what God wants them to do. Anyone want to add any to the spouse question before we move on? You know, one one of the things that I did, and this might not work for everyone, um, but for some of you, at least with my two sons, you know, I have a 29-year-old and I have a 20-year-old. I made a vow to never raise my children around negative religion. Come on. My children were always with me in the front lines. I love that. Doing deliverance. I remember taking my oldest. He had to be like seven or eight years old. I would go preach in some church and I'd bring him with me and I have him hold my he was my armor bearer. I paid mm. my children to be my armor bearer so that they can get accustomed to being around the supernatural. I remember laying hands on people and putting my son's hand on top of their head and my hand on top of his hand and getting him used to just kind of moving yeah. supernaturally. And not worrying about transference of spirits because my anointing and that which I carried covered him. But I just wanted to get accustomed to being in the realm of of the supernatural. And the second thing that I always did as well when it came to my wife was, is is that um, I honored her everywhere that I went. I completely honored her. I... Even now, I talk so much about Mama Pagani, Mama Pagani this, that the whole world knows who Mama Pagani is, but they don't know what she looks like. You know what I'm saying? It's because I honor her so much. And and the byproduct of that was whenever I did have to preach or whenever we had to do long hours of ministry, she never complained. I'm I'm one of I have one of those wives that has never like you Isaiah that she has never complained that it's been long hours. If anything, I'd be wanting to go home and she'd be like, nah, we're gonna have to stay here. We're gonna help this person get set free. So these are just some of the things that at least worked was honor your spouses. And even when you're traveling, let your spouse know. Like I'm texting her when she can't come in. I can't wait to be home with you. And it's been the service was Good. crazy you know and then by the time we got home it was just an excitement to just be there so ministry had like never conflicted with uh at least in our family i've never had any of my children or my wife say church is too much or the ministry took a place of of our family life you know we have what is ministry marriage my whole family embraced it in every facet we have ministry marriage so even when we're on vacation people say hey you're the bearded guy the demon I, I see i see your videos sometimes my children never take it as an interruption if anything all they know is all these people that our family together has been helping all over the world so there's been no negative la- backlash of man my dad did that i don't have nothing to do with deliverance Someone asked my youngest son a couple of years ago. He had to be like 15 or something like that. One of our leaders just said, do you want to cast out demons like your dad? And my, my, my youngest son was like, man, I'm down for whatever. He's like, I'm, I'm game, you know? So that brought joy to my heart to know that, uh, that I included my family in everything that we did as much as I could. And the byproduct of that wasn't, oh, it's too much church. Actually, it worked in the opposite. Actually, we embraced a ministry family. And here we are. My sons are serving in the ministry to this day. So good. 
I love it. Can I say something? Go for it, Jenny. I yep. felt led to say there are people watching right now and you're listening to our testimonies and you're saying that's not how it is in my house. My husband is over there and he's doing the occult and he's got this going on or, Come on. or my wife has got this going on. Do not get weary in the well-doing. I got Come saved on. first and I had Ooh. to rehab my husband for two years in and Ooh. out. He Come would on, take Jenny. off on feet. We were chasing him through fields. He was so strung out. And I'm over there doing deliverance, seeing all these people getting healed. And why is it not happening for my house? But let me tell you something. If you will just have faith, God will work Lord. that thing out. And that's actually a formula in the Bible that the spouse will be won over Come by on. your actions, by your godly character. Amen. And so right there, instead of trying to always cast the demon out, you still can take authority over the atmosphere of your home. Yes. You still can take authority over your own heart position so that the seed of bitterness does not get in so that you don't get weary and well-doing and i'm telling you what i know the word cannot return void you're on here yeah. right now you're literally in tears because your husband is in the other room drunk and in the name of jesus christ on, i Jenny. decree and declare there is a turnaround coming to your family mama it is for you in the mighty name of jesus and so i just want to say that my husband is my biggest cheerleader it makes me want to cry even just talking about it mm -hmm. because Everybody, y'all just don't know how it is to come home and the stuff that you have to deal with from social media and people. And man, it's tough sometimes. I literally, I go in my closet and cry. That's my thing. I go in the closet, close the doors. And I just sit in there and just cry. Just want to be alone. Steve, don't come here. Get up. You got this. God's with you. I mean, he, if it was not for the Lord allowing me to be his wife, I would not be in ministry. Wow. I would have quit a long time ago. And many times oh. we do deliverance maintenance where we go, all right, it's time to poke around. And we Come get out on. our little book. I got Taurus Solomon's book right here. Uh, the finger of God. And we just start listing stuff. Okay, come on out of there. Uh, uh, pride, come down. Jezebel, uh, uh, fear. Uh, just, we just start poking around couple times a year and just make sure we do deliverance prayers together and it is powerful i thank god for the honor to be under the covering of my husband it is a privilege it is not somebody lording over me it is an honor so good if anybody oh. knows steven that is everything she's saying is 100 he's one of my favorite pe people in the entire world i mean he is so supportive he is absolutely your biggest fan jenny and every time i've done an event with you or we've hung out Anything you need, anything Jenny needs, don't even try to get it because Steven already got it. She needs a lawn chair. She needs a portable AC. She needs a fan and core water. Steven is on it 10 <laughs> minutes before anybody else. I'm telling you, he is her biggest cheerleader. And the reason why you see Jenny's success, and she is seriously so successful, is because Steven, I'm preaching now, is because Steven's got her back. And I'm saying all that to say, Steven has made me a core a leader in the core men's group. So that's why, you know, I love him so much and appreciate Period. him. And he was the first one to bring me into the core women's group as well. I was the first male member of the core women group. And we love you, Steven. Mike, don't even try to say anything there. All right. <laughs> How about this one? This is interesting. And some of these, again, we don't, those ones we wanted everyone to answer. These ones, we could just kind of tag team whatever you guys feel. Why do some demons manifest more than other demons so it's kind of like why is there certain spirits or certain manifestations wild talking crazy and then other demons they seem quiet they don't manifest they don't seem as strong would you anybody have thoughts on this question yeah. <laughs> Pagani, do you want to go ahead i'm not gonna be the guy that talks so much because they already say in the comments i say you talk too much i'm like hey 
I thought everybody was going to jump at this one. I know. <laughs> yeah. So, so my understanding, at least, and and mind you, nobody here is going to claim that they're all knowing when it Thank comes to you. the spiritual world. Something that yeah. I've understood, and this is a, 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 a rule that I really go by. It, our natural thinking, we always try to create like rules of engagement. Like mm. uh, when when someone manifests this way, it's this spirit. Or when someone says this, that means it's that demon or whatever. But the moment, and God has been uh, showing, proving this to me over and over and over again. Every time that you try and you think that you've perfected some kind of rule, that's when the exception will come your way. So to yeah. every rule when it comes to the spiritual world, apart, not, all, not all things have exceptions, but a, a lot of the things, especially when it comes to deliverance, there's always exceptions. Like, for example, uh, you know, oh, if they are being aggressive, that means it's a spirit of rage and they're like manifesting like they're being very aggressive, for example. And you come along one and it will be like a spirit of epilepsy or a deaf and dumb spirit being aggressive. It's like, oh, wait, I thought all the aggressive ones were always the spirit That's of rage good. or whatever. So it's important to remember that, that don't try to, to, to uh, box the spiritual world in your little mental box, that if this happens, that's how it always is. Be, be open-minded and understand that you, you may not ever fully understand the spiritual world, but you know some foundational things. Jesus Christ is on the throne. His name has power over all. Like at the mention of the name Jesus, every demon must bow. There is no demon that can resist the name of Jesus perpetually. They must obey. They must be expelled because there is no, no other power or authority higher than the name of Jesus. With that being said, uh, I think that generally speaking, the reason why demons manifest differently is because there are tons of different spirits. There are familiar spirits, ancestral spirits. There are, you know, spirits of rage. There are spirit of murder. I mean, a spirit of murder's purpose is literally to cause Come cause on. death, cause someone to die. I mean, obviously, that's going to be an aggressive spirit many times when they're being exposed. And, and it can mm. also be relative to how deep the demon has its hold on you. Mm. Some demons live relatively easy. And this is something that we deal with a lot at Hungry Gen, where people are like, oh, I didn't manifest, so can I go for prayer again? Because unless I have that manifestation, I, I don't feel like I'm free. And honestly, deliverance and manifestation isn't like this. Like you yeah. can receive deliverance and just stand in worship and the demons are leaving you through your tears or through whatever. Mm -hmm. It's not necessary yeah. the, the the manifestation that will determine uh, the deliverance. So that's important to remember. But as many different people we have in the world, that's how many different demons there are almost. And the same goes for the manifestation in, in relation to that. And that's that's my understanding, at least. So well, deli deli deliverance, yeah. awesome. for those of you that are watching, deliverance is not a formula or an incantation. It is Come a on. total dependence on the Holy Spirit to reveal the root of a problem, whether it's emotional, whether it's mental, whether it's chemical, whether it's biological. And if there's a demon or a malevolent entity that's there, once the Holy Spirit has bypassed and troubleshot all the rest of the things, because sometimes everything is not a demon, you know, um, and when there is an entity there, well, you cast it out in the name, in the name of Jesus. So don't get caught up for those of you that are watching, you know, have a foundational base and a premise by which you cast out demons, like many of the things, like obviously if somebody's acting up erratically, rage could be there, but don't be limited to that to just say, 
all the time. That's rage. That's such such is not the case, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's always depending on the Holy Spirit. And all it takes is a couple of seconds. Holy Spirit, what is this? Or be moving in such a dimension with the Holy Spirit that you're operating under the gift of discernment of spirit. So by the time you walk in there, you already know what's in there and you know what to tackle and what to confront and how to separate between soul, spirit, whether it's a demon, emotional, whether it's mental, or whether it's the person acting out or even faking it. All right. So that's an encouragement so that way you don't get caught up. Because I think sometimes what causes the the deliverance ministry to be ostracized, at least from what I've seen, is misdiagnosis. You know, we yeah, we misdiagnose sometimes. Mm -hmm. We say that's a demon and it really wasn't a demon. Or sometimes we say that's not a demon and it really is a demon. But the Holy Spirit, dependence on the Holy Spirit will give you an answer very quickly because there are demons that play possum. There are demons that don't talk. As a matter of fact, sometimes some of the most hardest demons to deal with are the ones that don't talk, that don't talk, have been the Mm -hmm. hardest. And the ones yelling the loudest, easy like that. So thought I'd throw that out there. Mike, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, you said a lot of it. I think about demons uh, in terms of being um, disembodied personalities, Mm. which really makes it a little bit easier for people watching to understand. So think about a demon as a disembodied personality, but we carry similar traits across personalities. And so I've been saying this for years and years. I had this epiphany one time and I was in the middle of the deliverance and I'm like, wait a second. I don't think you actually get better at deliverance. I think you become more dependent on the Holy Spirit. Wow. And so, wow. And so, oh, it's, so I've been saying that, like, you don't, you that's don't get word. better at deliverance. I've been doing, doing deliverance since the nineties. You don't get better at it. You get more submitted and dependent on the Holy Spirit. And then he tells you, and this is why I think deliverance and this movement in this era is so important because you can sing out of a gift. You can preach out of a gift. I've got friends who are not even Christians who can out-preach any one of us Come in on. this chat right now because they know the rhetoric. They know the things to say to get people to jump up to their feet. But deliverance requires relationship to the deliverer. Mm. It requires you being in a seat of authority where he has empowered you to do it. And so that's why this ministry is so important in this season because, you know, <laughs> You and all you, everybody in this chat knows what I'm talking about. When you've had the moment where you are completely out of your mind and you're like, I don't know what else to do. I don't know. I don't know what this is. I don't know why they're not getting free. And then immediately the Holy Spirit speaks and then Mm -hmm. you repeat, you repeat. See, a lot of times the deliverance minister isn't speaking. They're actually repeating what the Holy Spirit is telling them to preach. And then Mm -hmm. you repeat what the Holy Spirit tells, and then immediately freedom starts to happen. And then what happens? You don't increase in pride. You increase in humility because you knew that you couldn't do it without him. That's why I think, matter of fact, I want to go a step further because I'm feeling the fuego. The unity that you're seeing between all of us now is because deliverance ministers tend to increase in humility over time because they're increasing in dependency over the Holy Spirit. This is the dirty work. This is the dirty work. And so you don't see this kind of humility among like, you know, stage preachers and stage and green room kind of people because green room people operate primarily out of gifts. But deliverance people are like, Holy Spirit, I need you. This isn't happening without you. And so when you begin to minister out of that place, you just have a level of humility because the thing we all have in common is we need the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. Wow. I'm about to fall out of my chair right now. If you guys are wondering, what is Isaiah doing? I'm falling out of my chair. That's what it looks like. That was so, so good. I think too, uh, what you said was for me and my experience is the strongest demons hide the best. So like I've had times oh, yeah. where the strongest demons, the prince demons, the rulers of the kingdom in, a, mm -hmm. in somebody, you know, you could be an hour, two hours in doing a hard deliverance on someone that's come out of the occult. They have, you know, 60 plus demons. And the last yeah. demon to come out is the strongest demon that was hiding the entire time that didn't manifest, that said one or two words back to you. And so I, I at least my opinion, not always. Again, there's no standard where it's like, this is always the case. It's the weak demons that scream out first, that reveal themselves. And then often they reveal everybody else with them. They start telling on all the other demons that are there and they're the ones that talk the most. And I've even had demons tell me like, you know, I didn't think you were going to get me because I don't ever talk. It's like I was hiding for years and no one ever knew. And so I think the strongest demons sometimes manifest the least. Um, here's a good one. Where do you tell demons to go? Now, before I ask you this, let's always remember this. This is something that someone told me years ago. Whenever you're talking and answering these questions for all of us here, we might think this is obvious, but we have to all remember there's a lot of people that don't know any of this. They're just new. They've never heard. There's people in the chat right now, like how do you, asking questions that every one of us would probably never even answer because we're like, everyone knows it, but we have to always remember there's new people every stream. So we have to talk sometimes like we don't know, like, like, you know, they don't know. So again, where do you tell demons to go when you're casting them out? And why do you tell them to go there? Guys, this is a huge question in deliverance. Some people say there's one big name. I won't mention his name and I don't have no ought towards him at all, but he's a big author of deliverance and he sends them into boxes, he says, and, and then he sends the boxes that are locked to the feet of Jesus. I don't have no hate towards anybody wherever you send them. I'm just glad you're doing deliverance. I'm not here to tell anyone they're wrong. Um, what is your guys' opinion? Where do you personally tell demons to go and, and maybe what's your reason? behind that to so the abyss to the yeah. abyss jenny says to the, to the abyss man they gotta go to the pit baby that's where they gotta go i think all of us send them to the pit or the abyss is that right is there anywhere yeah Do i mean in the bible it says that they hate they hate absolutely do not want to go there so my thought is we need to send your butts there that's the place that you don't want to go um i remember a pastor saying don't send the demons to the abyss. This was the theology. He said, because they're going to go to the abyss and they're going to get more help and then they're going to be back. I can't find any <laughs> scripture reference for yeah, that. Yeah. We got to stop making up stuff. They need to go to the yeah. abyss. And then I always say this. I don't know about you guys. I and mean, you can teach me something, but I say, and do not return. It's good. Don't come back. Go to the abyss and don't return. And another thing is, if you notice, sometimes when demons are cast out, they are so scared because they know yeah. they're going to go, they're going to get tormented by the the mm -hmm. the the what do you call it the principality or leaders or whatever's there. They they're mm -hmm. actually going to go and be tormented by yeah. the for failing their assignment. They're going to go mm -hmm. be tormented. Wow, that's you know, good. How do you say that, Daniel? Is sometimes I guess when you get comfortable doing deliverance, I don't know if you guys do this, but sometimes I might mock a demon a little bit, like mock them a little bit and have a little bit of fun. Oh and yeah. I'll I'll tell the demon, I'll say, report to your superior and tell them that you failed the mission. The terror on. on their face through the person when that when that's spoken under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, priceless. It's priceless. So I do it frequently, you know, when we send them back to the abyss.
I think, yeah, we're all, I just pulled up a little bit of scriptures here. We're all on the same page on the abyss. That's, that's where I tell them to go, Jenny, like you said. And I'll give you guys a few verses I just pulled up while you guys were talking. Luke 8.31, the demons yeah. beg Jesus, do not send us into the abyss. Romans chapter 10, verse 7, the abyss is the place of the dead. Revelation 17, the Antichrist will rise out of the abyss. Revelation 20, the abyss is where Satan will be bound for 1,000 years before being let out again. Revelation 9, the abyss is described as a place under the earth that has a shaft of smoke coming out like a furnace. So my personal belief, like your guys', is, is that the demons are sent to the abyss until they wait for judgment. We all know that the demons are going to be judged one day. According to Revelation 20, one day all the demons will be in their own torment in the lake of fire. The false prophet, the beast, the devil, and all demons will be thrown in the lake of fire to be tormented. So I guess my theology has always been the same as your guys'. Is the abyss is the waiting place, the holding cell, like a cavern, where they wait until they receive their judgment, which they will receive. And again, when we're casting out demons, we want to take them out of circulation. When you get a fake $100 bill, you don't want to just put it back in your cashier drawer and then give it to the next person that comes through. The bank actually destroys counterfeit money. So we take the money out of circulation. So our goal is not getting the demons out of you so they can jump in your neighbor. The goal is getting the demons out of circulation, sending them to the abyss. And so they're no longer, there's no point in me casting a demon out of one person just so it jumps in another person. And if you think, and you're one of those pastors that are like, we don't want demons jumping out of one person to another person. That's not biblical at all. That's bad theology. That's so stop saying that because you're scaring everybody. That's right. That's okay. Right. <laughs> Here's a good one. How do you discern if someone is having a manifestation of a demon or a manifestation of the Holy Spirit? Mm, that's a good one. Anyone got thoughts on that? You discern because you have the Holy Spirit living within you. So he's, mm -hmm. he tells you, he directs you. When you're in a relationship good. with the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. you know his voice. He said, my sheep know my voice from a stranger's they'll run from. So you're going to hear laughing. You're going to go, okay, wait, that's laughing from a demon or that's actually that's holy good. laughter. You right. So that way you're not, you don't got 20 people trying to cast the demon out of somebody and it ain't even a demon. You're wasting time. And then you got a silent demon sitting over there just being quiet, not even manifesting. We need the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's my answer. You just have to have the Holy Ghost. Good. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's, that's good. good. And that's, you know, goes with the distinguishing of spirits, like the, having that discerning yeah. gift mm -hmm. where, and it, again, guys, we all have the Holy Ghost and he has all the gifts. So we could access all these gifts when needed. We don't function in all of them all at once. But the, remember, the Bible says the spiritual gifts are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So think of spiritual gifts as the Holy Spirit's manifestations, the Bible says. So a discerning of spirit for me works like, like Jenny said, if you see somebody laughing and it's a demon, not the Holy Spirit, I just, my, the way it works for me is I just feel gross inside. I feel like nails yeah, on a mm -hmm. chalkboard. I'm like, oh. Oh, it might look right and sound right, but to me, that's just not right. And I've been in churches where people are slithering like snakes and they say, oh, that's the Holy Ghost. And I'm like, I don't even need discernment. They're, the Holy Ghost is not going to act like a snake. If you go Genesis, that's the devil. So yeah, discernment is so key. We're so lacking it in the body of Christ, but there's a lot of times, Julie, you know this, Jenny, you both came out of witchcraft. You know this, where the devil copies the Holy Spirit. We know this, the devil is a copycat. Yeah, he counterfeits. He wants to do the same things that God does. So we definitely need the discerning of spirits to be able to tell what's counterfeit and what's not counterfeit. You, you know, one of, the, one of the things I like to do when I have that question with people, I know everybody doesn't like it may not be bold enough to do it, but I like to go up to a person and I'll be like, hey, what, what are you doing? And they'll be like, oh, I'm manifesting the Holy Spirit. I said, and then I'll ask him a question. I'll be like, okay, you know, um, is this is this what determines if you have God with you? And sometimes they'll be like, yes, this is the only way that I know God is with me. Mm. And so in that in that moment, and I've seen this a lot, especially back in the day with the charismatic movement, 
And I'll yeah. be like, that isn't actually biblical. It says we know him by faith. It says blessed are those who, who know him by faith, mm-hmm. who know him without seeing him, just knowing in our heart that he is with us. And then what happens is they usually get really offended and they, they start to get really angry at me and tell me that they can't take away what God has given them. And I said, I shouldn't be able to take it away anyway, and you shouldn't be offended. So, you know, I go up and I'll test them a little bit and ask them that questions. In love, of course, if I feel that check in my spirit, and usually I've noticed is when they get offended like that, um, they're using that for a false comfort almost to let them know God is there instead of really relying on faith that God is with them, just, you know, mm-hmm. being secure in their faith. I don't know about what you guys think about that, but I've, yeah. I've had some people I've had some people actually manifest when I've done that to them before. Yeah, that's really good. Somebody said, I'm brand new to casting out demons. What advice would you give a beginner? So like, what's the one thing you just got? They just started doing it. A lot of these people that we're training obviously just started doing it because they always tell us, I just heard about it. I've been in church my whole life. We all hear that probably daily messages from all of us. What is like one tip of advice that you guys have learned that you know about that you would give? Again, we're not doing like a seven steps to casting out demons type of teaching, but just something where you're like, oh, I wish somebody would have told me this. It would have helped me out so much. Um, anyone have any thoughts on that? I would maybe My- not not look for demons, but uh, uh, be available, and the Lord is going to bring demonized people to you. Um, I think the ministry of deliverance is you go to people to minister the gospel, and then as you're ministering the gospel, uh, you will have opportunities uh, to pray for yeah. deliverance versus people who are actually on the mission looking for demons. It's almost like you know, we're, uh, I used an example uh, with our team. It's like I'm taking a hike and then, you know, I'm not looking for going and looking for bears to kill. But if they're going to attack, I will counterattack. Or if they're attacking somebody on the path that is a human being, then I'm going to go and defend them. Because people who are, it's something that T.B. Joshua told us a long time ago that was really actually powerful. He said this, he says, don't go looking for demons. He says, but when a demonized person comes to you, be 100% sure God has anointed you to deliver that person. Mm, that's good. I think, I think for me, one of the, sorry, sorry. No, go Can ahead, go? Julie. You're good. Yep. <laughs> okay. One of the things for me, and this is, I always tell this to people, my main advice is make sure that you have intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't have intimacy with the Holy Spirit, it's going to happen the same thing that happened to the sons of Eskiva. I hope that is the right pronunciation. The demon said, we know Paul, we know Jesus, but who are you? The difference there was they didn't have intimacy. So my first advice is always going to be make sure that before you are thinking about demons and learning the name of all the demons and learning how they move, First, learn to discern and to hear the voice of God. Learn to have intimacy with the Holy Spirit because we need the Holy Spirit for everything. We need the Holy Spirit for the prophetic. We need the Holy Spirit for deliverance. We need the Holy Spirit for healings. If you are stepping into deliverance, if you are stepping into the prophetic without the Holy Spirit, you are stepping into witchcraft because the Holy Spirit is not guiding you. Another spirit is is guiding you. So this is why it's important that we start to bring order into deliverance, into the prophetic and teaching people about hey there is an order and one of them and the most important one is how is your relationship with the holy spirit how is your intimacy with the holy spirit that's so good wow you're julie is a straight preacher i'm like i'm, I'm right. trying not to shout you down if you guys see me waving like that that's my that's my <laughs> shouting them down with my hand so i don't yell over the microphone um that's so so good julie i, I, I think, think i, I want to go add for it to yep. that uh, isaiah is that 
we have to be very careful because at the moment of deliverance, praying for somebody, I feel like sometimes the devil, if we heavily rely on how deep we are with God as a source to cast out demons, then my question is that how did the people who drove out demons prophesied and they didn't even know Christ? So I believe that demons come out because of the authority of Christ, not because of my holiness. Holiness is required for me as a fruit of being a Christian. But God loves people so much that sometimes He will use an unholy preacher to cast out demons. And when I do ministry of deliverance or do ministry of healing, uh, the devil will use the lack of maybe I didn't pray the day before, maybe I didn't read the Bible today, or if I read it, it was on the go, to kind of bring guilt and condemnation. Say, listen, you know, you're not going to be used mightily of God. So with me, what I try to do is this, is that uh, my walk with God is my number one priority, but that if there are days or something is happening that I didn't mm -hmm. catch up with this or on the way to church, me and my wife had an argument, I don't disqualify myself from being mm -hmm. used by God because the first healing that is recorded in the Bible, God used Abraham when he was caught in a lie and he used Abraham to heal Abimelech wives and he called him a prophet when in reality he was a pathetic liar at that moment yet God used him and I think to me it was just a big symbol. There's two sides to this. One is that you know never neglect your, your walk with God, never neglect your character issues but the other side don't depend on them so much that you don't rely on the authority and faith that God has given to us through the authority of His name because otherwise if you only rely on your intimacy and your holiness the devil will use that as an open door to hit you and disqualify you every Every single time to make you feel like you're not good enough, you're not prayed enough, you didn't read enough Bible and everything versus where we just rely on the authority of Jesus Christ and never neglect our walk with God and holiness. That's good. I think uh, advice I would give someone that's brand new is don't make it your goal to prove everybody else wrong. I think when you get into deliverance ministry, you get this knowledge and you're so excited and everybody else doesn't know about it. All your Christian family in your mind, they're no longer saved. You're like, you guys are not saved. I know about casting up demons. You don't. And so a lot of new people are very zealous, which you should be. I would never want to water down your zeal, but just don't go around telling people how wrong they are and how bad, because that's not a good way to introduce someone to something like nothing yeah, tastes true. good filet mignon does not taste good if you get sh it shoved down your throat so like nothing tastes good being shoved down it's your good. throat just tell people humbly tell them what god is doing in your life no one can tell you god didn't deliver you so rather than going up to say a family member that's a christian and now you know about deliverance you're new to it they don't rather than saying oh i know about deliverance you're not a christian because you don't do deliverance do this man, you won't believe this. God delivered me. God set me free. I didn't even know deliverance was real, but look what God did in my life. So now rather than demonizing them, telling them how wrong they are because they don't do deliverance like you do, or you found some new knowledge no one else has, you share your experience and then they go, wow, that's incredible. And they're opened up to it. So I know a lot of people message me. They're like, I have no more friends and family because I learned about deliverance and I told all them they were wrong and now no one wants to hang out with me. I'm like, well, why would they? You're just like, instead of bringing them in, you're pushing them out. So we don't want to build like barriers. We want to build bridges. We don't want to build walls of saying, I'm right, you're wrong. I know about deliverance, you don't. But instead build a bridge and help them cross over and learn about the ministry like you have and teach them about the works that Jesus did. And I recommend every new person Go read the seven deliverances Jesus did, study them extensively, and only talk about the things that Jesus did in the Gospels. And all of your religious friends and family that are like, deliverance isn't real, will be like, oh wow, Jesus did do deliverance. So you can never go wrong with Jesus. Um, learn about what he did and that'll help you too.
Anybody and else something, Go for it, Rickard. Something that everyone in this group actually have in common, uh, listening to your stories, how you got into deliverance, is that you were actually connected with someone who led the way for you. Yes, yeah. Jesus does that. The Holy Spirit can teach you sovereignly everything you need to do about the Holy Spirit. But because we're probably not 100% in spirit at all times uh, uh, on our journey with Jesus Christ, it, it is of great help to actually find someone to mm. mentor you in deliverance. And, and I think we shouldn't be ashamed about uh, reinstating mentorship in our day and generation. There's, there's a lot of people like, oh, no, I can't trust that. You know, he said something wrong one time with this, but get to know someone who you trust or someone that you respect online and try to, to learn from them. Like, you know, follow them for a while. Learn not just online, watching us online. That's good. Or, you know, I, I, I follow this, but actually get super connected uh, in every way, both online and in person. I think mentorship is it's a really big step to actually learning it properly and not just hearing it, but seeing it and, and getting really in tune with it through, through mentorship from someone that does it. So good. Pastor and Mike. I... Yeah, go ahead, Jenny. Go for it. No, go for it. You want to go, Pastor Mike? No, no, no. no. Go, go for go it, ahead. Jenny. Go ahead. I'll, I'll tee up after. Okay. I was going to say never to put deliverance in a box where you are stuck to this one way that you do Good. it. Every yes. time. Everybody's different. And so like we were just talking about the different types of manifestations, like there were stronger ones, lesser ones. So you, you cannot just like, I, I'll give you this example. My students ask me, do we say to the demons every single time, what's your name? How did you get in there? Why? Because they're reading that from Jesus. And so they're going, okay, we're going to make an entire formula out of this. And I'm saying no, because Jesus didn't do it that way every single time, but he did do it that time. So we know that from that, we can say, you know, what's your name, et cetera, et cetera. But not every single time do we have to do that. And not every single time do you have to say, well, we don't let the demons talk. Well, that's also not, you know, in the Bible, like... There's just so many different things. And people will go, well, we don't want the demons to talk because demons lie. They lie, they lie, they lie. But the demons that talk to Jesus, they didn't lie. Preach, Jenny. All that stuff they said You're was preaching strong. I'm like, <laughs> so we need to just be, like we've all said, be led of the Holy Spirit. Like Pastor Vlad said, walking in your authority, knowing your authority. More this and get off of YouTube sometimes and get Come into on. the word. Amen. And that That's way good. you'll you'll be able to know what you're doing when you're face to face. And the last thing I want to say is never take the glory for deliverance. It's not your glory. I always, always give it back to the Lord. And the Lord is the deliverer. We are the vessels. Praise God that he gets to use us. It's an honor. But Jesus is the deliverer. And so just never give up. Always point the glory back to the Lord and never put it in a box. That's so good. Yeah. One nerdy Bible fact I want to throw in here is there's not one, and this is going to make some religious people mad, there's not one place in Scripture where a demon lied. Every demon that spoke in Scripture that we know of told the truth. So that's just for a fact for all that people say, well, the demons always lie. Uh, not always. I want to say for those who are new to deliverance, they say that to a hammer, everything's a nail. 
And Ooh. to a person who's new to deliverance, everything's a demon, you know? <laughs> and, and so I think the thing that I would say to people is don't forsake the super practical as you are on the journey of the supernatural. Because, because listen, I'll be honest with you. I cast a lot of demons out of gluttony, but then there's the discipline that is stop mm. buying, you know, the from the local mm -hmm. deli on your way to the office every I'm talking to myself. I've, I've literally <laughs> lost 40 pounds. Yeah, I feel like right in front of everybody, you know? And so for me personally, God's taking me on that journey. And it's funny how, you know, we can get so good at casting out a spiritual spouse, but never minister to our spouse, hey. you know? My God. Oh, man. You've been saving this, Mike. You've been saving this, man. Listen, Everyone's like, talk, Mike, you guys he's been writing one-liners one down. He's been well, writing one-liners as we're talking. Yeah, I, but here's the thing about it, guys. I mean, and we're all just keeping it 100 tonight. It's like a lot of people who are new to deliverance, they think that deliverance is going to solve everything. And and what That's I think well, it, it solves a lot and it's a part of your toolkit. But somebody came up to me at the conference and they actually said, man, what I enjoy about your teaching is that I can actually do everything that you teach to do. That's good. And I, and I said, you know, I said, that's the highest compliment. And here's why. American Christians in particular were trapped in the soulish realm. This is like the biggest mm. revelation I've gotten over the last several years. And now here's why. You got Pentecostals and Charismatics that say what they're doing is spiritual, but it's actually emotional. Then you have the Reformed community that what they say they're doing is, is spiritual, but it's actually cerebral, it's mental, it's intellectual. Both the mind and the emotions is still the soul. And what we have to learn how to do is operate in the spirit. And when you operate in the spirit, it's not a feeling, but it's also not a thought. And mm -hmm. I think for, for people who are new to deliverance, they operate a lot out of the soulish realm. It's a mm -hmm. feelings-based experience or it's a mental experience. And so maturity is as you go on this journey, you're neither operating in the, in the mental or the emotional, you are actually operating in the spiritual. And that is the hallmark of a mature deliverance minister is there. And none of us are there. We're all on this journey. That's why I threw myself under the bus to start this. But it's like peeling back those layers of mental, emotional, and, and physical to get into the spirit. That is definitely going on my clips channel, guys. What he just said will be on my Isaiah Saldivar clips. Go subscribe. <laughs> that was so I good, man. I would, I would add that, uh, and I think we mentioned that at the conference. We mentioned that every single time. As you get uh, more successful, if I could say, more effective in deliverance, it's important that you stay within the boundaries of your authority and not yeah. go into okay. the second heavens. Not that we're afraid of the principalities, right. but not to go into principalities, but stick with casting demons out of people instead of casting demons out of the second heavens. Because even the verse where it says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, at the Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 does not give application for that wrestling that we have by saying, now go and bind the spirits. He said, now put on the armor of God. Now stand, now stand, stand, withstand, stand, withstand. There is not one hint of instruction that part of our response to the spiritual warfare against principalities is trying to bind them, dethrone them, remove them. And I think when people experience a little bit of victory in the area of deliverance and then what begin to begins to happen, kind of like disciples, they want to burn Samaria to the ground and Jesus is like, whoa, 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 that, that, we don't do that. That's good. And, and so and I think we just have to kind of keep that in mind. Now sometimes 
Um, I think Don Dickerman explained it really well in his book as well is that and we all have encountered demons that call themselves principalities and so those you know we cast them out of people but at the same time we just don't go into the heavenlies because we still have responsibility of evangelism we still have responsibility yeah. of discipleship we still have responsibility of mentoring believers we still have responsibility of praying taking care of the poor and taking care of our environment as Christians and so deliverance does not cancel everything and now the only thing we do is cast out demons we never witness we never make disciples and we it's never good. help the poor so if you stay within your life line of casting demons out of people i think there's a protection that exists there so good apostle pagani did you have something you wanted to say yeah i guess my advice for those of you just starting is let love be your highest motivation for deliverance that's so good. good you know um not militancy of the method of casting demons out you know you you find that deliverance becomes more effective when you're loving on the person getting set free rather sure. than yelling at the demon you know so I, I find that when when love is your top priority deliverance becomes a lot more easier because you're always thinking about the person in front of you and not your reputation at the moment like lord please help me because they're watching me no you're thinking about lord help this person because yeah, right now it is you know it's embarrassing wow. them, whatever always try to cover protect the dignity of the person good. set free you know what I'm saying it's not about you. It's never been about you. It's not in your name. Um, as a matter of fact, you're just God just needs you to get the devil out. But when you make it about the person, you'll find that um, you'll find compassion and love will help set the captives free faster than you know this militancy of some formula of trying to get them out. Love will get them out. So let love be your highest. Let love be your highest motivation. So good. good. Um, here's the next one here. Have you ever seen? Okay, I'm going to word this right. Guys, if you wonder why I word things a certain way, it's because I know YouTube copyright. And I know if I say something, it's going to get flagged with a banner under it for false information. I'm going to say this the way that I know to say it so that we don't get flagged tonight and take our video down. Have you ever seen someone from the alphabet community get delivered? If you don't know what the alphabet community is, it starts with an L, ends in a Q. I can't say the whole word because I'll get my video flagged and then YouTube will be like, oh, this is not okay for everybody. Have you seen someone from that community? I, I personally have. I did ministry in San Francisco for eight years every month. So that's like how many times? That's a lot of preaching in San Francisco. And we did deliverance services in San Francisco. And let's just say a lot of people came that didn't know what they were. I'm just, I'm just going to say that. And God delivered them. And I've watched people. I've seen people I know personally that liked one thing and then got delivered and liked something else. I've seen those spirits manifest on several hundred times in San Francisco. So absolutely, if you're watching this, you're part of that community. You say, I want to get free. I don't want to be this way. Then God can definitely deliver you. Jenny, I know you had. Yeah. Talk to us. You're. I've been delivered from that before I met Steven, I was living my life and I was dating women. So even when I met Steven, I was still kind of intertwined in that. Um, so, I mean, I was from high school. I had shaved my head, you guys. I left my little bangs and I would put glue in them and spike no. them like devil. Straight up shaved head. <laughs> um, so I came out of that lifestyle and I went through deliverance. And so I, if I can speak to anybody that's on here, there's nobody up here that's judging you. Trust me Come when on. I tell you, we're not thinking we're better. We're not over here beating you down and you're a terrible person. Listen, I know that struggle. I know what, what came oh. with that. And I know the deep 
horrific shame that the shame that I didn't want to tell anybody that was deep down. I was embarrassed. I had these thoughts that would pop up and I'm like, I thought I was done with it. And I had to get delivered, mm. straight up delivered. And God set me free and he totally removed it. So I never even had like a lingering thing that happened. This was my own mm -hmm. personal testimony. I can't speak for everybody, but that's how he did it with me. And I am telling you, I pray that you will hear this the right way. If you're struggling with that right now, Jesus is the answer. Even Come right on, now, Jenny. I just decree and declare that you are being set free by the power of the Holy mm -hmm. Ghost. All of Come that on. perversion, everything that happened to you and those things that yeah. you don't talk about in the name of Jesus, there is healing for you. Jesus is the answer. And so I just want to just love on you. We got nothing but love for you. Seriously, you are loved. So good. I remember, Jenny, we were doing deliverance on a, a friend that was in that was that was that was in that community. And the demon was screaming out of him in a demonic voice he was born this way he was born the demon was saying that he was born this way over and over and over again the demon said don't tell him he wasn't born this way i told him he was born this way so the demon was saying i've told this guy he was born this way and the demon kept saying that no wow. he was born this way and i kept saying he won't be born again that way he won't be born again that way and the demon kept Come saying on. and i fought this demon for so long and finally this demon came out and that guy is married now with children married to a woman Come with on. children so absolutely wow. you can be born again you can be delivered from this the devil such a liar telling people oh you're always going to be this way one of the reasons why the devil says you're born that way is because we've been taught you can't change once you're born so if you're born a certain way you're always going to be that way if you're born with an mm -hmm. arm shorter you're born with a leg longer like the way you're born is the way you are you have to accept it that's the way the reason why the devil's lied and said you're born this way so you think you can't be changed your God and I tell people you could be born again and you can be delivered so you're two for one you could get delivered and born again and you won't be born again that way and uh, that's man that's been a powerful message Daniel Adams have you seen anyone in that community get delivered like before or no testimonies of oh big time we got I've got on both hands I can't even I can't even count how many people have come out of that community that are actually some of the forerunners mm -hmm. you actually come see in the in the ministry that is casting the demons out of people. And if you look through my videos, you'll see what you were just talking about, Isaiah. I had a girl that was, the demon was screaming out of her, I make her this way. I make her this way. And uh, obviously she got set free. And there's just been so many testimonies. Actually, I believe, this is what I believe. I believe there's a movement in that community right now. And I believe yeah. I believe if people in that understand deliverance will we'll go after them and show them like like Apostle Pagani said, go with love leading mm -hmm. we're going to we're going to see a huge result and it's going to be an even bigger catalyst to what's going on with this deliverance revival i believe mm -hmm. they're they're a big part and they're going to be a huge testimony i believe actually guys we carry the key to their breakthrough we carry the key wow. to 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 what's going to shift and change in that community i mean wow. it's powerful even what jenny just said just look listen to her what she that testimony to them they can't come up mm -hmm. to her and say well, this and that, they can't lie. To, what are they going to do to Jenny? You know, Jenny's going to be like, you, you, I, she's going to be like, honey, I know what's going on, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so I mean, we if we come with love, I believe that I believe that what's happening now with what we saw, obviously, at the conference, if we can even get to these people next, if we can really spearhead, somebody can spearhead that, we'll, we'll even see an even bigger increase in what God's doing in these last days, especially with deliverance. So good. I love Isaiah, it. Isaiah, I want to say something too, it. just to 
prep everybody. I think we all need to be um, forward thinking when it comes to what's happening right now in our society. I believe that we are going to see some incredible miracles. And when I say this, this might shock some of you. I believe we're going to see miracles of people that have gone through the change be changed back by the power of God. If we can see limbs grow out and all of this stuff. I believe that those are the kinds of things that are going to speak to that community. But I also want us to be prepared for what what we do when somebody comes in and they're like, which I have somebody in my core group like that, gone through the change. Now they have conviction. And now they're like, where do I go? I don't mm. I don't even know what even like what bathroom to go in. Like it's a big deal. And so we're working on our end to help and equip them and get their mind renewed and point them in the right direction. But I believe we're about to see some miraculous, mind-blowing stuff that'll be on the news. Come on. Just hit, hit, hit the whole Mom. world. It's going to be wild. Come on. Agree. Can, can I just say, too, that deliverance gets to the root. And a lot of these other solutions are dealing with surface level things, but deliverance gets to the root. I had a, I'm going to say this in a way that also doesn't get flagged, but I had a man join my church who was one of the biggest performers in New York City Metro, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And um, and and so he had come to me and we were kind of developing a relationship. And as his pastor, I was like trying to get to know him and disciple him. And he had asked me this super awkward, awkward question. Can I join the worship team? And I'm like, oh, Lord, here we go. You know, (laughs) and 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 so, you know, I told him, I said, no, but I want to build a relationship with you and love you more than that community. And Mm. and I want to be closer to you and more of a family, that community. So we begin to go on that journey. And we started talking about, you know, just basically what he had been through. Long story short, uh, and this is just a powerful testimony to prophecy, that young man and and his friend who were also in that community were at my mother's house months later. And I'm walking down the street here in my neighborhood in New York City, and clear as day, the Holy Spirit just shows me this vision of these two young men in this community coming out. Now, I didn't know it was them. I, I just had vision like two young men. So I, for accountability, I send it to my mother, this, this uh, voice memo, this prophetic word, and I'm speaking into the root system of what happened in their past and, and what the Lord was showing me, not realizing I'm actually prophesying over my own congregation members. Because when I sent that voice memo to my mom, she pulls it up she and she's in a meeting with them. And I don't know that. And she's like, guys, hold on a second. Pastor Mike sent me a voice memo and she hits play. And then I say, mom, I'm walking right now. The Lord showed me these two men and I start speaking and they just start manifesting like crazy while the prophecy is happening. And one of the things that I was speaking to was uh, this, the, the one guy who was the real big performer, he was raised in a family a Hispanic family where his father said it's disrespectful to look me in the eyes. And, and, and so what happened was there was this wound from that young age. And so guess what? He becomes a performer and what is he doing? He's Mm. getting the eyes of men on him. Wow. And so literally the exact, that source of wounded, and that was what the Lord dealt with through prophecy that then turned into deliverance. The crazy thing is he gets fully delivered at my mom's house, him and the other guy, shout out, they're probably watching right now. And over a year later, after going through a discipleship process, we actually do a service at V1 Church where we debut him on the worship team. Come on. Because now he's living righteous. 
and literally and we did a funeral service it was the death of ruby diamond uh, we wow. had boxes wow. of wigs we had <laughs> we had boxes of makeup and he comes out fully, you know, just like full of the anointing and just comes out, break every chain, the whole place. Dude, I feel the Holy ghost. (laughs) This is within, then about a year later ends up getting engaged to another woman on the worship team. And they've been happily married for the last several years. So, you know, listen, I mean, sometimes we do deliverance services. Sometimes we do funerals and that, that service was the death of Ruby. Diamond. Wow. Ooh, that's wow. so good. All right. Here's one. Man, I'm I'll, I'm about to fall over again. What are some things? All right. This is a good one. I like this one. What are some things, or let's just say one thing. What is one thing you should never do in deliverance? This is the this is one thing you guys can think about. I'll go first so you guys can think. This is one thing where you want to tell someone, do not do this. I've done this, do not do this. What's the one thing? For me, I always tell people, do not do deliverance alone. If you are a guy, do not go to do deliverance on a girl by yourself. We have people, I had one pastor say, hey, there's a girl on my staff and I was going to do deliverance at his church with another pastor friend of mine or one of my pastors and we are going to spend a weekend doing deliverance. And he said, there's this girl, she doesn't want anyone in the room. It's just gonna be you and her. I told her that you don't do that. I told her, will you please do this? She's one of our pastors and nothing will happen. No, absolutely not. I will never do deliverance with me and a girl by myself. I will never do deliverance. I'm a married man. She's a married woman. I see this all the time, guys. You're like, well, I wouldn't do that, but people do this. Married women, they get involved in deliverance and they're out at midnight at some dude's house doing deliverance on him. And they're like, I don't know why my husband's mad. I know why, because you're at some random dude's house from the deliverance map doing deliverance, or you're up late on Discord. There's, there. I just say this in my Discord because there's a lot of married women and married men. They get saved, and they get in deliverance, and they're on Discord till four in the morning. And this is, you know, voice chat with young people or older people doing deliverance on each other. It's like, listen, if you're a married woman, you have no business on Discord till three in the morning with a married man doing deliverance on him. So don't use deliverance as a tool to think it's okay to do stuff you shouldn't be doing, and also. So deliverance is very spiritual. When you're doing deliverance on someone, it's a spiritual thing that happens. So you should be very careful. I am not going to go do deliverance on a married woman by myself or just with a bunch of other women. I'm going to have accountability. I'm going to have other pastors with me. This is very important that you do not get caught doing this by yourself because it's just not right. It's not appropriate. So that's one big no-no. That's my number one. I will never do deliverance on a woman by myself ever. I don't care what anyone says, what they, well, it doesn't matter. That's a huge no for me. What do you, what are your guys' no's that you're like, don't do this when it comes to deliverance? Go ahead, Daniel. Don't require, don't require people to sew before they get delivered. Yeah. <laughs> Vlad's yeah. opening it up. Vlad's opening it up. Don't so. don't don't put your hands on sensitive areas of the opposite sex. There you go. That's another one just that, like that. There you I, go. I see, yeah, I see a lot of I see a lot of men. They'll put their hands on women's bellies and stuff yes. like that. And I'm like, guys, right. y'all need to cut that out. or the lower part of a back. And even I've seen this, especially people who have them seducing spirits. They'll the spirits will take the hand of a man and try to mm, put it close to yes. a man's yeah. a woman's body part. And I'll watch men deliverance ministers or women, depending on what it is, because the men do it too, that they'll allow that spirit. And now you got a big old mess going on. Yes. So I, I say yeah. stay away from sensitive areas in deliverance ministry. Yeah, yeah honestly, I think guys like- should just be on the shoulder or on the head. I mean, even the back, yes. like you shouldn't be having your hand on a girl's bra strap. I'm just saying like, it's just not appropriate. Yeah. And I, no. Daniel, I'm glad you brought that up because I see this. Good 
all the time in ministers doing this. Even guys I know, I'm like, bro, you should know better than that. Like, what are you doing? Yep. Sorry, Jenny, go I for had... it. I just wanted to throw that in there. No, that was perfect. It's it's needed protocol. Also, along the lines of touching, you shouldn't be getting aggressive. I've seen people grab necks. I've seen people, listen. Say it louder, Jenny, say just it louder. My neck's somebody, hurting thinking about it. They read about the cancer being punched out and then they go around punching everybody. But I'm like, but no cancer fell out when you did it though. That's the thing. Oh, come on. Be punching come on. people, grabbing people by the throat. I've seen people slapping people in the face, like ow, 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 ow. Come on, that's, that's just ridiculous. It's embarrassing for the person. Many times it could be traumatizing. And then one thing I'm gonna say is a don't for me, I don't know how you guys feel about this, is we don't force deliverance on non-believers. So yeah. I know family members will bring them and you're pushing them up in there and they're just like, they don't even, they don't, they're not saved. They don't want deliverance. It, you shouldn't be forcing that on them, especially if they're an unbeliever. It's good. Mm -hmm. So good. I know everyone's I know at the bit. Go for it, Ricard. Yeah, I, I know. I was thinking, let me, let me be quick. So nobody takes what I'm about to say. <laughs> I have to think of another thing. You know? <laughs> no, but something that I was saying, this is, uh, this is when it comes to people who maybe do interrogation of demons and stuff a little bit. Uh, not everyone does that. So this may not apply to everyone. But if you've ever had an interrogation with demons and everything, this is actually an internal hungry gen joke. And I'm going to share it to the world today because we used to share this joke all the time. So we had this life group leader. He was super excited about doing deliverance in his life group. And I know Pastor Vlad knows this story. The guy is actually watching right now. <laughs> and he was ministering. He was just learning deliverance newly. So he, they were praying in the, in the life group for this young guy uh, who, who, you know, needed deliverance and stuff. And as he was praying, the, the kid twitched a little bit. Like he twitched in his eye or something. And the guy instantly goes in for the kill. He's like, who are you, you demons? Speak out. Who are you right now? And the kid freaks out. The kid is like, ah, ah, you know, kind of like, so, so the, the guy thought he's manifesting even more. The demon is coming out more. It's like, who are you? Who are you? Finally, the kid like peeks out and he's like, I'm Lucas. Aren't you Lucas? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Lucas. <laughs> Lucas was confused. So luckily there were some people around there who could like, hey, because as a minister, you always have two mm -hmm. ways to deal with the deliverance. And that's either mm -hmm. escalate or de-escalate. Mm -hmm. And escalating the, the, the deliverance isn't mm -hmm. always the way out. Sometimes you need to de-escalate and the demon will come out, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, occasionally Jesus told the demons, hey, be quiet and come out right now. Be still and come out. And stuff like that. So don't don't get thrown into like the mannerism of some other minister. Like, oh, Isaiah casts demon out like this. So I have to do it. And, and maybe Pastor Vlad interrogates demons. And, and I have to do that. And then you like, you, you basically go in for it. And, and not listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and let that be the discer discerning factor before you start interrogating. It, it gets confusing if you're if you're... And as a new person, it might happen, but let's try to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit as you're ministering so you don't uh, uh, mess people up more. Uh, because so they, they're good. like, did I have a demon or That's not? Good. I don't even know, bro. That's so good. Oh, Sorry, Lucas, if you're watching, bro, we, we're, we, we apologize for that on behalf of Pastor Vlad, Senior Pastor of Hungry Gen. I hope you got a little compensation or something. No, I'm just kidding. Anybody else have any big no's? Yeah, I think.
I, I have like two. I'm going to piggyback what Vlad said. Without a shadow of a doubt, don't charge for deliverance. Never charge for deliverance. All right. But this one um, is be discreet when you're confronting particular demons so that you're not shouting out someone's sins in mm-hmm. front of the whole church. That's good. So, you know, there are some demons that you can speak and confront in their ear rather than yes. shouting it out on a mic. So that That's way good. you're not embarrassing someone while you're setting them free from, let's say, pornography. And now the whole church mm-hmm. knows that brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so has some issue with pornography. Yeah. They'll get free, but they won't return back to the church. You know, mm-hmm. so always uh, know when to put the mic away, speak to the ear, and then other times you can confront it publicly and others you don't. So good. I would also add one more uh, component is that if somebody has a uh, mental illness and they've been diagnosed, that you don't tell them to stop taking medicine after you deliver them or claim that this deliverance healed them of the mental illness. We've seen where mental illness was completely gone after a person is delivered because the demon was directly responsible for mental illness but not understanding the dynamics between disorders and demons can cause a person who at that moment gets delivered and feels really good and they're actually ready to throw away all their medicine and all of their medication and then they have the withdrawals even if they got completely healed but sometimes people will have withdrawals and so and I think that because we're not medical professionals and we live in America which has 75% of world's lawyers you will end up in a lawsuit or in a worst case scenario, which we had that, where a person almost took their life a week later um, because they stopped taking medicine. We didn't tell them to stop taking medicine. This girl was on the heaviest dose of medication that her doctor ever prescribed to anybody. She was in Satanism and she was on this uh, dose of medication for 10 years. She came, she was delivered completely and so we didn't necessarily pay too much attention by not giving her specific instructions to talk to her doctor and have her wean her off because of the kind of medicine she was on. So she goes cold turkey, flashes everything down the toilet, and then she starts having very heavy repercussions. And so um, so then she came to our internship. We had to kind of work with that. And so we, we, we've learned through that. If somebody comes in and they have a mental illness, we cast out the demon. We pray for healing of mental illness. Sometimes it's you get one and two. Sometimes you get one, you don't get the other one, and they have to continue to work with their doctor. But then the medicine begins to work or whatever the treatment that they had begins to work because once the demon is gone, a lot of times the treatments work a lot faster and people actually recover faster. And so that's been uh, our approach. My personal one, and this, I don't know how you guys kind of uh, handle on that, but I am personally against uh, commending God's angels during deliverance. I do believe in inviting and asking God to send His angels, but this idea of you bossing angels around like they're part of your staff um, Mm -hmm. or like they're part of your, like they're on payroll with you, I feel like you know, and I have a whole whole teaching on that where God's angels, they actually hearken to God's voice. Even Jesus asked the Father to send the angels. He didn't go like, hey, left and right, come over here. Uh, Gabriel, g- g- grab this person on the left, uh, take this person to the right. I believe they were given authority over demons, not over angels, but they are serving us. But we have to ask God's permission and invitation to involve God's angels in the deliverance. But most important, I feel like sometimes people, because I've seen some young guys, literally, deliverance hasn't even started and he's already uh, like inviting 27 angels to help 
him. I was like, bro, you got the G you got Jesus, you got the Holy Spirit. Why don't you just rely on the name and ask the Holy Spirit to help you out? I mean, they are employed by Him. So, I mean, and He's already giving you the authority. Why are you involving the whole staff of God's heavenly court to come and help you out? It's good. <laughs> Anybody else before we go to the next one? Yeah, I got, I got a few just quickly. First one would be don't neglect discipleship. It's good. Oh, that's good. I mean, the thing that happens after deliverance is just as important as the thing that happens during the deliverance. And the goal is to take them from delivered to discipled. And so don't neglect discipleship. Do you want do you want deliverance or the deliverer? Because discipleship is when you get to know the deliverer. Deliverance is when you receive deliverance from the deliverer. Uh, the other one that I would say, uh, I'm just trying to hit some stuff that you guys um, didn't hit because these answers were so good is um, don't ever give up. I mean, don't assume somebody's free. Like uh, early on in deliverance, I think a lot of demons acted like they were gone and faked yes. me out. So a lot yes. of demons have stories of like, yeah, young Mike Signorelli, I got him, man. <laughs> Not no mo. Uh, we're going to get you this I, time back around. Yeah, I, I remember the <laughs> first time I actually, this woman was like, oh, she sighed a relief and her shoulders slumped over and everybody started clapping. And, and I remember the Holy Spirit saying, that demon's playing you. You know, that demon's yep. not not gone. And I said, devil, I know you're still there. And then this woman just threw her head back and went <laughs> like that. The whole place jumped back. Everybody got scared. And it was a huge lesson for me. Don't assume that people are free. The other thing is deliverance takes time. Yes. It takes time. And so, you know, sometimes you want it to be done. And so you're cooperating with the demon because you because I think yes. deep down inside you might know that it's still there, but you're like, I'm tired. I McDonald's drive-thru is about to close in 20 minutes. I got it, <laughs> you know. And so you you really have to dig in and say, No, this is this is for the long haul. It's good. Mm -hmm. So those are just a couple of I've been things. at the end of deliverances and I'm like, because we always teach like go if you're doing a one-on-one -on -one deliverance, go check when you're done, make sure the stuff's not there. So you do another check, another poke around, as yeah. Jenny says. And I'm like praying, like I'm trying to pray please fast because I'm like, please don't. And the last <laughs> one is like, Rah! I'm like, no. All right, cancel lunch. <laughs> We're gonna keep it's like, man, you want to be just done. I'm like, I'm tired of these demons, but man, that's so good. All right. Listen, guys, we've been going for two hours and 20 minutes, but there's still 10,000 people wow. on here. So it's wow. just like, feels so bad to end with 10,000 people. Let's just go a couple more. If you guys are okay with like one or two more. Uh, I know it's late for you guys. So, uh, but yeah, there's 10,000 people still watching. So <laughs> I'm like, man, I hate to close when there's 10,000. Uh, why do people vomit during deliverance? Somebody tell me, somebody tell me why people are throwing up. We got bags out there. They don't understand. What's all the manifestations of vomit, spitting up? What are your guys' thoughts on that? All right, no one? Okay. Daniel, yeah, yeah. Daniel, go. <laughs> Can we go all at once? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's not a really difficult thing. It's just they come out They come out in that way. You know, they come out in, it's almost like, I've seen them come out in like almost ghost buster ooze. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? They've come out in some really green stuff. They come out in blood even. Uh, they just come out in, in that way. They come out as air. They come out as vomit. I mean, they're foul creatures. you got to understand, they are very foul, unclean things. So they come, they come in out in unclean ways. I mean, I, I, want, I don't want to get too gross right now, but they literally come out of every orf, open, <laughs> open area on your body. I've seen leakage out of the ear. I've seen blood. I've seen that snot. 
I've even seen the lower parts do some stuff, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, I've had a woman getting delivered on my couch one time, and, well, yeah, the couch wasn't no good after that. So, you see, it's just it, they just come out. They're unclean, so they come out in uh, out of unclean ways. That's That's my opinion on it. I'm sure you guys might have some deeper revelation on it. Blood yeah. covenants usually come out in blood sometimes, you know? So, mm -hmm. And there isn't really that much more to it. Mo most of the answers, if you ask the person in their testimony, they will explain to you. We had a person uh, who, uh, during our last conference, they raised to deliver a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I was praying for her. Uh, the demon was speaking out. And then she fell down. The demon came out. And immediately after the demon had come out, she started coughing. So sometimes the demons can come out like through vomiting as well, especially spirit of infirmity and stuff. But this particular woman, immediately after the demon left, she started vomiting and it was a lot. It was actually the most I've ever seen. It was insane amounts. Uh, and after that, she said that she has never had a single day sober from, from drugs since high school. Like she was on every... Uh, opioid every drug that you can imagine and she shared after she vomited all that out it was like she sobered up it's like a spirit of infirmity sometimes spirit of witchcraft uh, uh, they come out through that and many times healing happens uh, con in connection with deliverance as the spirit comes out the body can now heal up as well and the body can now reject that those sicknesses, whatever it might be, that is coming out many times, blood and, and other things that are, are coming out. Other times, people might, and this is a little bit more deeper into the witchcraft circles and stuff. Many times people have been involved in actually drinking, uh, drinking concoctions or drinking some mm -hmm. kind of uh, mm -hmm. spiritual things. And those things are not like, oh, I drank some kind of blood, is, blood substance or whatever to, to generate a, a love spell or something. And after that, they think that, oh, that's just out of the body. But it, it was spiritually infused. So some portion of whatever they put into their body is still there. And so as it's coming out by the power of Jesus Christ, you know, those things are coming out as well through vomit or, or in any other way. So, so that's my understanding. It's not really rocket science. You know, something's bad inside and it's coming out kind of. That's good. I've got this, I've got this real quick like Greek explanation of the word expel. So in Mark chapter 16, verse 17 says, in my name, they shall cast out devils. But that word cast out is the Greek word ekbalo, which actually is, it's like a compound Greek word. And what it means is to physically throw out. And so when you think about vomit, I think vomit is connected to ex below, like to, to expel demons. They're violently being thrown out. And so the physical is mimicking the spiritual. And so I've always looked at it like uh, even that eight-year-old boy, and this is such good evidence, when I was doing the deliverance on that eight-year-old boy at the conference, you know, he, he bent over and started to violently vomit, but it was like coexisting with Mark 16, 17, that X below or what, you know, the, the, to expel the demons out. So it's like, if you're expelling a demon out of a person, their body is going to physically expel vomit out as well. I think they mirror each other. That's so good. That's good I think too, you know, demons have to come out of somewhere and this is the non-spiritual. I mean, this is the non like them coming out vomit. When a demon comes up through your airwaves, air your um, esophagus, it mm. triggers your gag reflex. So if a demon's coming out of you and it's triggering your gag reflex, then you'd be coughing, you'd be vomiting. So I think in a real practical sense, if a demon's being shoved out of your throat, it's 
hitting your gag reflex and you're vomiting up, not always necessarily a demon, even though I think like what you said, Daniel and Ricard is, that happens too as well. But I think in a practical sense, it's your body's reaction to something coming out of your throat. Like if something came out of your throat, you're going to gag and throw up. That's how, so I think that's part of the physiological side of a demon leaving a person, whether it's through their mouth, through their nose. It's like, these things are mysteries and we don't know it all. And like the fact that a demon could be in a body part, how do we explain that? We can't, we don't always want to rationalize, intellectualize everything. But a lot Mm -hmm. of times these are real practical, real things. There's a reason why this happens to thousands of people. And when we do deliverances, people that have never even saw deliverance are throwing up. It's like, it's a real thing that a phenomenon that happens. In the Bible, people foamed at the mouth. People fell as if they were dead. People screamed loudly. One boy was being thrown in water and fire. So these are not like Mm -hmm. far off, fringe doctrines that are unorthodox this is like orthodox that these manifestations happen even in scripture as people are being delivered um okay let's do one last one and then we're gonna have a prayer we're gonna pray mass deliverance and then we'll end it because if not we'll go like four hours and we're already two two hours and 30 minutes i want to respect everybody's time not everybody you know wants to stay up all night long like maybe i do all right let me do this last one. I know it's three hours ahead for them. I got to remember. I totally forgot. You guys are already like almost midnight. Um, sorry about that. Last one here is dealing with stubborn demons. Okay. This is like the one everybody's always asking, wants to know. I want to know more about this. If you're doing deliverance, we've every single one of us have come into a place where the demon just won't leave. I mean, you're commanding it. You're calling that you're asking you, even though Vlad said, maybe don't always, you're asking for the angels. You're calling, you're going, Lord, send me an angel. I, I mean, guys, I've had times where I cannot get a demon out. I don't know what to do. I just start preaching to the demon. I'm like, Jesus died on the cross. And in the book of Acts, I'll, I'll pray over the finances. I don't care. I just get so desperate because I cannot get the demon out. I put it on worship music. I'm like, maybe let's drink some cup of coffee. That might help. I don't know. What do you guys do when you stall out you know, when you're you're casting and I nothing a, happens i had a funny a funny uh, this is not a practical tip this was just uh, <laughs> me and my cousin elia pastor elia uh, one time we were doing deliverance and this guy was really late and the demon just didn't want to respond at all so the guy was on par- he, the guy was on parole and he was actually wanted by police so me and elia <laughs> no, pull away dude. and we're this like good hey this is good uh, and i'm like hey bro I am tired. This is not working. Let's just call cops. Let's just uh, let's just get him and the thing. And, and he was like, "Hey guys, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. He got delivered instantly." What's like, going on over bad. there, Hungry Jen? Ah! What is going on over there, Hungry Jen? Wow. Get out or go back to jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 brings a stubborn one to remembrance with me too. I remember I was dealing with a demon in Arizona. And the, the demon, the demon kept just going and going and going. And I had a Paul moment and I just got so irritated. I looked and I said, shut up. And when I said that, the, <laughs> the, the woman dropped like she was dead and got up and screamed and was so happy she got set free. So I've had a few of those myself. <laughs> my, I guess you my know, practical something, advi- Go ahead, Julie. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. No, I no, was no. going to say that, that something that I have learned about demons that they don't want to come out is about repentance and this is a testimony we were in a conference and there was this girl that she was manifesting and they were around her like people casting out demons of her for 25 minutes and suddenly i felt it to go and i just commanded the demon to, to to shut his mouth and i just asked her i feel like I feel like you have been abused when you were young, and I believe that the Holy Spirit is telling you that you need to forgive. I guide her through a prayer of uh, forgiving that person, and then I command the spirit of witchcraft to live, and it was instantly. So I believe that the deafness of your repentance is the deafness of your deliverance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes when we see those demons, 